How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Easy Peasy Podcast, where we discuss living better through permaculture, mindfulness, decentralization, freedom, flow, agorism, anarchy, and more. We'll discuss how to solve life's complex problems with simple solutions. This is Mike the Polymath coming from the Easy Peasy Workshop in Indianapolis, Indiana, the crossroads of America. Thanks for joining me. a good thing though i was getting really long-winded um and i'm really just trying to cover a couple of points first of all i've been like loving my dog like all afternoon i took him for a walk and like brushed him because you know frankly he's been depressed while i've been manic and now that i'm like coming down he went like kind of manic for a little while and needed to get a bunch of energy out so i walked him for a while and you know, just kind of like reinforcing this idea that I've been having this whole time about the importance of duality. Like he's my dog, he balances my emotions. So like, if I'm going crazy, he's just lying there, like not asking for anything. You know, so I'm realizing like, I've been pretty selfish this whole time, you know, and I know it, like I've known it from the start. And that's kind of been the point, you know, like to prove to you that that's okay. You know, we all got to serve ourselves, you know, we're, we're just a living organism and I'm really trying to serve like the greater organism. I hope that's clear. I'm really net, not trying to just serve myself, but it's turned out like to do that. So I'm going to get to it. Cause I really don't want to get like booted again and lose this again. Cause it's really important to me. So like the difference between duality and binary and how they themselves are equal and opposites. Like duality means equal and opposites. Binary means one or the other, right? So on or off, black or white, you know, versus duality, which is, you know, unbounded. Like binary is bounded, duality is unbounded. And I'm not going to expand on it much more than that because I think you're smart and I think you're picking the shit up, like for real. 
So I'm like really not going to expand on it. I'm just going to kind of prove it with some Dylan lyrics, y'all. I've been listening to a lot of Dylan, okay? So I'm going to read this. This is from the song that's just been ringing in my ears, you know? It's called Everything is Broken. And I'm going to prove that he didn't mean it in such a bad way, okay? Just like I'm doing this and like not meaning it in a bad way at all, even if it sounds bad. What's up, Mac baby? How you doing? Anyhow, I'm, I'm going to keep on rolling. I want to keep this one, you know, short and sweet to the point. So I'm talking duality and how Dylan understood it. Okay, Bob Dylan. So I'm going to read these lines from Everything is Broken, but I'm going to skip. I'm going to skip the fact that he says broken before everything because that would get really old, you know, really old, really fast. So anyways, broken lines and strings, broken, broken threads and springs, idols and heads, people sleeping in broken beds. Broken bottles and plates, broken switches and gates, broken dishes and parts. You know, I think that's wrong. I think it's broken dishes and broken pots, y'all. Like, they got it wrong on this website because this whole song is about duality. And, like, if, if you look at every single line, you know, like, broken idols, broken heads. Like, think about that. Idols are in our heads. And why are our heads being broken? Maybe it's like due to our idols, you know, maybe whatever. Construe what you will. Dylan leaves it unbounded all the time. He never bounded anybody in. I hope this makes sense. So broken dishes and broken pots, right? Like what we eat off of and what we cook with equals and opposites. Streets are filled with broken hearts. If, if that's not true right now, I don't know what is. Broken words never meant to be spoken. Like, I kind of feel like I'm doing that right now. I feel like my words are kind of broken and like they were never meant to be spoken, you know? Like, I'm trying to give you the right words, but they're all broken. Like, we have no perfection in our in our language. The only perfection is in nature, you know? I'm going to keep reinforcing that, you know? So let's go on. Verse two, broken cutters and broken... Oh, you know what? I skipped something important, very important. So this kind of like bridge, right? This bridge. He says, seems like every time you stop and turn around, something else just hit the ground. So think about that. What he's talking about, whether he knew it or not, is entropy, this law of entropy, y'all. Like, and if you've never heard of it, it's the idea that like everything is in a constant state of decay, which is really depressing if you only think about that. But let's think about it's, it's like, dual it's duality i don't know what to call it but like it's it's other half you know the other half of entropy is like biology you know if everything is decaying like like how did it get to where it got and i guess it's not just biology i think of mountains right i think of mountains that are formed in the earth and forced upwards and then ever since the day they're born they start crumbling which sounds so depressing but it's like they get more beautiful over time right so like maybe it's not so bad that they crumble a little bit, you know. I'm just going to keep like making you think here, guys. I'm going to keep trying to do it. So let's go to verse two. Um, broken cutters and saws, broken buckles and laws. I really like both of these lines, okay. Like I like tools and there's definitely a distinction between cutters and saws. Like they're, they're very different, but they do similar work, you know, the same but different, equal but opposite. Buckles and laws. Now this one, I'm, I'm extrapolating what Dylan meant because like buckles are not inherently bad, but if they're used as shackles, let's say, if they're used to bind people, 
then yeah, broken laws, like, you know? So anyways, it goes on, broken bodies and broken bones, you know, kind of the equal and opposite, like what is inside of us that's not alive, really? Like the only thing is kind of bone, but the rest of us is our body. I've never thought about that before, but Dylan has, you know? Dylan's thought of it. So broken voices on broken phones, like what do we use to send our voice places? We use phones, like it's, it's equal and opposite in a sense. I don't know, maybe not if you, you can disagree, but like I see duality in all of Dylan's lines, right? He goes on, he says, take a deep breath, feels like you're choking. Everything is broken. So think about that. Like I was choking for a few days on my own thoughts, to put it mildly, and just the goings on of what's, you know, of my community, right? I was choking on it and now I'm taking a deep breath. Like, again, just trying to make you guys think um, a little different is all trying to be a lot less hostile about it too. You know, let's be honest. Let's see. Every time you leave and go off someplace, things fall to pieces in my face. I know I can relate to that. Broken hands on broken plows, broken treaties, broken vows, you know, the same, but different treaties are legal. Vows are personal. Broken pipes, broken tools, people bending broken rules. If the rule is broken, it can be bent. And that sounds like counterintuitive. You know, we're used to hearing bend, not break. But anyways, just keep thinking. Like Dylan wanted us to like never stop thinking. It's why I listened to so much of his music. Some people don't want to learn anything else. But like, I want to learn everything else. Like, let's keep learning. Your brain is unbounded. Hound dog howling, bullfrog croaking, everything is broken. You know, so he ends the song talking about nature and everything else was artificial, everything else. And I think that says something. Because the hound dogs are howling and the bullfrogs are croaking. They're doing what's natural. Like, they're not broken. Like, are you a hound dog? Are you a bullfrog? Like... I've said I'm a jackrabbit this week. I've said I'm a turtle this week. Like, I think there's so much wisdom to be had from our fellow creatures, you know? We just got to think about it. So I'm going to I'm gonna end kind of there, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play out, like, part of this song for you because I think that's helpful just to get his tone because it's, like, it's party music. It's not sad music, you know? else just falling down like that's not inherently bad guys you know some shit's gonna fall around you know fall down on us here i know that it's already happening like things are broken obviously and it's kind of a relief to me that it's everything and not you know because think about it in terms of duality if i'm just sticking to my guns here sticking to my points like if everything's broken then what is the solution like permaculture says to keep looking for the solution and everything is broken you might think that everything needs fixed right like that would be halfway logical 
But if we're going to like extrapolate out a little further, use some like rational and like critical thinking. And if we know these like concepts of duality, you know, if the problem is everything is broken, I think the solution is for each of us to fix something, you know, like artificial is not inherently bad, but the longer it goes, the more it entropies, you know, like every now and again, we got to tear it down and start over. And I know, I know my ideas scare you guys sometimes, but like, I think it's all founded in ecology. That's why I'm so, so like sure of it, you know, cause I believe in nature. I've seen it. I've seen the perfection in nature and it's total chaos. And I'm totally calm about it. Like I'm never more calm than I'm either, you know, than when in the garden or like in the back country, in the wilderness, in the woods, whatever you want to call it. Like that's when I'm the most calm aside from when I'm working. I think that's been a big part of why I've done this is like, it feels like work. So it makes me feel good. So it makes me feel like better. And I felt like shit. So I just kept working. I like, I hope that like kind of makes sense, you know? I know I've scared people. I know like it's been kind of incessant, right? Like you're kind of annoyed with me probably. And I get that, but I had to get it all out there while I could, you know, while I could, while I had the words. So I'm going to end there because I really don't want to lose this. I'll talk to y'all soon. I love you. Be safe. Like keep thinking, keep thinking. How's it going y'all? You know, I didn't really think I was going to be doing this tonight. Um, I had a really good day at work. I went and spent some time with my family. Celebrated my mom's 60th birthday. Drink a little water here. <clears throat> you know, I got home and... Hey, Matt. I got home and there was one book I just had to pull out. I don't know why exactly, but got me down this train you know i think i've gotten in some ways sidetracked like how does permaculture and anarchy really relate to black lives matter to me it's perfectly obvious but um i'll be curious to hear your thoughts on all this matt i will i will i'm just being totally honest these days and um can't can't really stop myself but i wanted to share just a few ideas and these are a little bit out there okay like I guess I'll just give you the, the rundown on my, my personal health right now. I've, I've been taking it pretty easy. Um, last few days, just been working and, you know, getting back into the swing of normal life. And, uh, so, like I said, celebrated my mom's birthday today and, uh, you know, it's good to see the family. Good to see people. Um, you know, came home, did a little bit of reading, kind of got back in touch with my education a little bit more because I've been going down these thought trains um, that are very much tied into my my college education, um, which was not a very normal education. I studied parks, rec, and human ecology. Sorry, I actually uh, misspoke there. It was outdoor recreation, parks, and human ecology. But my real interest was in human ecology. How do people relate to their ecosystems? And uh, you know, I got very fascinated with food, with the wilderness, with uh, just ecological kind of thought. How does everything relate to itself? 
you know, this idea of the self uh, being bigger than just me, you know, being everything else. I am smoking a little weed. Don't, don't shoot me. Um, I worked really hard today. I'm going to show you what I did today. Oh, I'm zooming on, zooming in on the wrong thing there. Um, well, whatever. So yeah, I built this with a buddy, a good friend. She came down from Chicago. Um, really did me a solid. I paid her good. It's a good deal. Uh, we got it done and we got three gardens planted. So it was a very productive day. Yeah, this was this was yesterday and today, this this build and planted the three gardens uh, right afterwards and turned out great. Had just the plants I needed. Uh, you know, everything's working. Everything's working. You know, I'm really not liking the flow like I have been. I'm kind of struggling here, but I just wanted to share a few kind of ideas with you guys. Um where to start? Let's see here. Let's start here. So, like I said before, I try to take like examples of people I respect and apply them to my life. And St. Francis of Assisi is one of them. And St. Francis, you know, he was one of these guys that just kind of was ahead of his time. And like, you know, early Christian thought was that like the wilderness was dangerous, that it was full of evil, that like the devil lived in the in the wilderness. And Francis, you know, he preached that basically all living things were were part of God's creation and that we should respect it and love it. Um, and, you know, that's something I think we can all get behind. So I guess I'm starting there for a good reason. You know, St. <clears throat> Francis basically was one of the early leaders of this idea, biocentrism. So instead of viewing human life as the center of all things, he basically argued that we should view all life as sacred, including, you know, including the wolves. There's paintings of him basically communing with the wolves. <clears throat> but biocentrism is in direct opposition to what's called anthropocentrism, which is the idea that people are the center of all things, that we are superior, you know? And I just thought this was worth sharing because the whole idea of superiority, you know, white supremacy, you know, that's the root of all this, right? And I'm throwing this notion out there that, you know, we're all somewhat flawed in thinking that humans are superior in any way. Like, yes, we are intelligent, but we know very little about the intelligence of octopus, octopi. You know, we know very little about the intelligence of fungi, of forests as a whole. You know, they, they operate very similarly to the human brain in some ways. So just, just throwing this stuff out there, because this is stuff I've thought long and hard about. You know, they're not easy concepts for people to get over, but, um, you know, Think about it. Do you care more about people or do you care more about life in general? You know, let's see here. Human ecology. So this is what, you know, I really focused on in school. The idea that, you know, we have to really understand how human communities impact 
you know, ecological communities. They are not separate. We are one and the same. And it says, you know, an interdisciplinary study of, you know, transdisciplinary study of the relationship between humans and their natural, social, and built environments. So, you know, not, I guess I'm trying to give you my resume a little bit here, guys. This is the connection between home economics and human ecology. Starting in the 60s, a number of universities began renaming home economics departments, schools, and colleges as human ecology programs. You know, it might be a new idea, you know, human ecology, but it's, it's tied in with everything else. Let's see. Now, we're going one step further here, guys. Um, deep ecology. Now, this is something that some people would turn their nose up at because people have done a lot of direct action in the name of deep ecology. You know, they've, uh, they've been dubbed what, you know, the mainstream would call them eco-terrorists. Some of these thinkers, you know, these are people that take biocentrism very seriously and they... They've done things to stop logging. They've done things to stop, uh, you know, all kinds of things that were damaging to the environment. So, you know, deep ecology thinkers are basically just arguing, you know, it starts with the argument that, you know, the inherent worth of all beings, you know, it says it right there, argues that the natural world is in a subtle balance. Okay. So, Excuse me. This is not my best work. You know, so I guess my point here, guys, is like we got to take a view of this stuff, like beyond what we're used to looking at things as, you know, take the holistic view. You know, deep ecology strives to take a holistic view of human beings and, you know, apply it to how we interact with everything else. I'm really struggling here, guys. I might not post this. It's going to be coming to an end here soon. I wanted to share a picture of this guy. Edward Abbey. So <clears throat> he wrote a lot of really good books, a lot of really good books. I, you know, I've read them all twice. And, you know, he was a outspoken anarchist, which is, you know, not something that's like necessarily a fun thing to be. Let me just put it that way. People don't like it. But he wrote these books about, you know, how much he cared about the land and how he was just brokenhearted, basically, about what was being done. And he wrote a lot of really cool poetry, you know, quotes Who's to say what they were, but oh, man, I hope I can like read all these. I got comments in the way, in the way, but he says, you know, better to better a cruel truth than a comfortable delusion. I think that's, I like, I've been trying to like dispel the comfortable illusion of safety, basically like our, our culture and our environment are very unstable right now. We need to like fix that. This is one I also connected with. I know my own 
nation best. That's why I despise it most. And know and love my own people too, the swine. I'm a patriot, a dangerous man. You know, I'm not even going to expand on it. He says a patriot must always be willing to defend his country against his government. You know, how many times has that been said in this country? Like this country is based on anarchy. Hope you hope you can see that. If America could once again be a country of self-reliant farmers, craftsmen, hunters, ranchers, and artists, then the rich would have little power to dominate others, neither to serve nor rule. This is the American dream. So what does he mean by that? I like that one a lot. The rich would have little power to dominate others, neither to serve nor rule. So those are two different ways to dominate. Serving and ruling. Sounds kind of like serve and protect. You know, we got a lot of shit that they hand to us. I think we should like take a little bit of responsibility. <sighs> I'm going to go to bed because I'm really, really tired, but this stuff is really important to me, guys. You know, deep ecology, like biocentrism. I never thought to mention any of those before. Like read, Saint, Saint, read about St. Francis. Read some Edward Abbey. I dare you, you know, I dare you. Okay, good night. What's up, y'all? I'm a messy motherfucker today, I'll tell you what. Looking forward to getting a shower. Um, but had a couple clips, wanted to share. Uh, theme, of the, theme of the episode today is sheep and wolves. So we'll take it from there. What's happening, y'all? Yeah, you don't have to tell me I got dirt on me. Get with the program. I don't really care. Um... You know, I just had to, like, record this right now because I'm kind of pissed off all of a sudden. Um, I'm telling you guys, lockdown is not good, okay? Go watch, you know, I, I just post, I post a video today of uh, sort of a walk-around video for Easy Peasy. It's on my, you know, business Instagram, but a buddy of mine named Ty hopped in there and you know, Ty's a really smart dude, and, uh, <sighs> sorry, I got distracted there, a little message came in, but he's a smart dude, you know, he's only, like, 19 years old or something, he graduated from high school last year, and he did a little bit of work with me when I really needed an extra set of hands, and, you know, just a hard-working, smart guy, smart enough to know that college was a waste of fucking money, so he went to lineman school, so he could be an electrical lineman, start making really good money, you know, and uh, working outdoors, you know, doing shit that matters, keeping this country going, right? And he hopped into this video and he told me that, you know, he got laid off like a little bit, a little bit ago. And I asked if it was because of COVID. He said, yeah, you know, it's starting to trickle down to where like all these businesses 
that are going out of business, you know, they're turning off their electricity, right? Because the buildings are vacant. And, and, you know, if they can't keep their jobs, who can, you know, like, God, I'm so lucky to be self-employed, but I'm starting to worry here, guys. Like, we are staring down the barrel of a serious recession, if not a full-blown depression, guys. And it's all because of this lockdown. And it's all because they they mandated, you know, they mandated it against us. They, they should have. The reasonable thing would have been to encourage testing, encourage hand wash washing, and encourage people to keep fucking working, okay? It's like almost half of the people that die from this disease, if not more than half, are in the like 80 to 100 you know, age range. Why are the rest of us not working? Seriously, guys. Why are we not working? Like... They're talking about doing more, more lockdown. Like I was just texting a buddy of mine, more lockdown shit. Okay. It's fucking stupid. It's the stupidest shit I've ever seen. Honestly, guys, honestly, like wear your masks, you know, use your hand sanitizer, like socially distance, but we need to get back to work. Like now, I'm serious, guys. I am so concerned. I am so fucking concerned about our economy right now. And so many people like aren't worried about that. They're worried about a bunch of other shit, you know, there's plenty else to be worried about. But let's like, let's try to be realistic here, guys. This shit is not good. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to like open your eyes up to the fact that like we are not living in true democracy. We are not living in a true capitalist system. And I know that like capitalism, that's, you know, I've gone back and forth on that word. I really don't know how I feel about capitalism as a system. <sighs> Maybe that's, I think that might be a topic for the next clip, but you know what guys it's way better than fucking communism i know that it's better than socialism it's better than fascism i think that's the problem is we're confusing capitalism with fascism because frankly we're in a fascist economy right now you know i guess i'll just kind of go for it i'm already talking about it but earlier today i you know i was thinking in terms of duality again and you know, we think of capitalism as being all about competition and scarcity, okay? Which is half true. That's half of it. The other half is cooperation and abundance, okay? You can be a capitalist, but instead of working from a, you know, place of scarcity, of competition, you can focus instead on cooperation and surplus or in other words abundance you know like this planet has so much productive capacity we could be creating such a surplus but we don't we kind of like 
you know, we've got this false scarcity mindset. Like we should be, we should lose that false scarcity mindset and go for the realistic, like mindset of abundance of surplus. How can we produce more while we take less? It can, it can be done. I know it. That's what permaculture is guys. And it's why I'm not inherently against capitalism. I think it's gotten a bad rap. I'm just a little worried about how many of my friends are like embracing communism with open arms right now, guys, like read a history book, you know, like look at, look at the people in China and like, do you think that they're protesting or against COVID? Like, no, they're protesting against a communist regime, a totalitarian regime in which the people have very little freedom of choice okay like it's like the most un-american shit guys like for real pick up a book you know, i really like this edward abbey quote that i that i shared last night he says anarchy is democracy taken seriously and i think that is so true a true democracy requires a certain amount of chaos you know it is the it is the recognition that the you know the control of government is kind of like an illusion you know that we've just allowed to happen. But true democracy is a little bit anarchistic. You know, it is. You know, I'm interested in this idea that maybe fairness and anarchy are like the same thing, you know? Like in the natural world, guys, there is violence, there is death, but there is also life and there is peace and there is joy. But ultimately, it's all about fairness, you know, everything, everything striving for balance, you know, the predator and the prey, like they are in perfect balance with one another. The predator is just as quick and cunning as its prey, you know, the prey nine out of 10 times gets away, guys, like maybe that's what we don't realize when it comes to like the food chain or whatever. It's like. You know, I guess hierarchy, that's what one friend said about capitalism is like there's inherent hierarchy in capitalism. I think hierarchy might be like another one of these kind of illusions, like a human idea that doesn't really exist. Like in nature, it would be very easy to convince ourselves that there is a hierarchy and that the predators are at the top, that they are somehow in control, that they are the most powerful and there's a case to be made there, but I think, I think it is a completely flat hierarchy, meaning that there is no hierarchy. Like everything is balanced. Everything is fair until we fuck it up, until we come in and meddle with it and act like we can control it. It's the same with the planet, the environment, as it is with our economy, guys. Like we've tried so hard to control capitalism when the entire point of capitalism is to let it be, let it do its thing, you know? Like corporate greed and corporate power are, 
are our big enemy and a lot of people think that is because of capitalism like no that is because of our government and its fascist policies the fact that they have allowed corporations to be legally considered people like get get with the program guys like that fucked everything up big time and like tax structure the fact that the wealthiest among us pay nothing in taxes while i pay like 30 fucking percent okay and i work my ass off and i'm still just like barely getting by and that's how most of us are yeah that is not capitalism guys that is fascism that is fascism at the threat of the barrel of a gun they control our lives that's why i'm so against income tax because it is so involuntary, so forced, it is coerced. I think it is fundamentally immoral and probably illegal constitutionally, but I'm not a constitutional lawyer. God, I just think our our ancestors are like rolling over in their graves, guys, like they wouldn't have put up with this shit. We've become the least skilled generation ever on planet Earth. And it's because we've been... They've taught us how to stop thinking for ourselves. And you wonder why I'm an anarchist. You know, guys, like... that government does okay i will because it'll show that i'm not an unreasonable person i think if there's one thing our government does and does relatively well it's the national parks okay frankly guys like anymore i'm thinking the federal government has no business doing anything other than three things okay defense roads and parks Anything else, they've got no fucking business. I'm thinking in terms of the Department of Education. Standardized, centralized education in which we're supposed to just like swallow it and be okay with it and get churned out like some cog into the great machine. You know, they're, they're still training us to be factory workers, guys. How many of you work in a factory? How many of you are dismissed by a bell? How many of you have been dismissed by a bell since leaving high school? Like that was probably the last time that a bell had any true sway in your life, but they do that because that's the way it used to be. That's the way we all used to be is, you know, workers in the factory. They were just, churning us out to be thoughtless cogs education is so fucked up right now guys like pull your kids out of public school you know find a cooperative find like a homeschooling group where maybe you only have to deal with your kids one or two days a week you know like not so different from public school in that way like you still get childcare as part of the deal but like get them out of those indoctrination centers. You know, they're, they're like prisons, you know, that we put our kids in for eight hours a day, five days a week. 
and they feed our kids shit food. You know, like I could go on and on guys. Like all that fucking fluorescent lighting, like is not good for the child. They should be outside all day, every day, wind, rain, snow. I don't give a shit. Like we all should be outside all day. I mean, come on. I know we all can't, but you get my point. Like they take so much from us and they give so much to us. And we just are expected to smile and nod and accept it. I'm done. I'm done accepting the way things are guys. Like if now is not the time to change shit, I don't know when there ever was a time. All right, I'm going to hang up now because this is getting up to 15 minutes. Thinking I'll have a few more, you know, thoughts to share later before I post this stuff live. But, you know, guys, I did. I gave myself a few days there. I wanted to kind of just reflect, you know, collect my thoughts, kind of organize my thoughts. I've written, like, quite an outline. I've got lots of stuff I want to keep talking about, you know. Like, I'm glad I started doing this. It's become very easy, very automatic, very, like, in my mind, effective. I know I, you know, it was kind of funny to watch the numbers just, like, slowly dwindle. I guess that's what happens when you push it out constantly for, like, three weeks. People just start tuning out. But, you know, for those 20 or 30 of y'all that are watching, like, everything, good for you. Like, if you're not scared of my ideas, it means that you're a free thinker. You should pat yourself on the back. Like, you don't have to agree with everything. But the fact that you're hearing me out, it's a really good start, guys. And, like, don't expect everybody to agree or to ever come to agree with me. But, like, seriously, I'm asking those close friends of mine that are, like, dabbling with the thought of, like, maybe communism would be better. Just, no, just don't. It's a bad, bad idea. And a lot of people are kind of thinking it right now and, and pushing it. It's a bad idea, y'all. It's a bad idea. I'm telling you. It would just like more government control is not the change that we need. I'm telling you guys. I'm telling you. All right. I got to quit beating this dead horse. I got work to do. But I mean every word of this shit, guys. Like, I'm so fucking Go back to fucking jerking off Like We got work to do y'all Like every fucking day Get to work Do something Make a change Be free You know I think what I'll talk about Maybe in the next clip We'll see but The idea of the domestication of people I consider myself a feral human because I once was domesticated. But I have decided no longer to be. I have rewilded. It's kind of a word to stumble over, but there's this whole movement right now, guys, about rewilding. It's highly tied in with permaculture. And the idea is that like, our biology is our only truth. 
all these ideas of civilization, they're just ideas. All this shit that I've been saying, like, this is just me trying to, like, fix civilization. But frankly, guys, I'm, like, kind of over civilization. Like, I think we should go back to tribalism. I think we should dissolve all centralized control and live as, you know, tribes. There'd probably be a lot of conflict. But that's better than a bunch of fucking suppression and depression and oppression. Like rewild a little bit, you know, like go, go a little feral. You don't have to be so clean all the time. (laughs) All right. We'll see if I dive into that idea any further. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. All right. I got to go to work. Love y'all. Tell you what I, you know, like I like that one and I like this next one too it's kind of long like I'm asking a lot of you guys in terms of attention span like yeah I'm still smoking weed you know like fucking get over it you know I like weed (laughs) All right, let's just roll the next clip what's going on y'all so I wanted to talk about sheep and wolves, all right? I'm also going to talk a little bit about cows and pigs. And, you know, that by itself might be enough to kind of alert you to the theme of this episode. Um, if you're thinking critically by now, maybe you maybe you can put your finger on it. But essentially what I'm talking about is domestication, Okay. And the fact that we as people have been overly domesticated, like big time. And I think that that has led to our current situation, okay? And I'm going to call this mass hysteria, okay? I don't think I'm the first person to call our current situation a... uh, a form of mass hysteria. This is something that people have done in the past. It's a cycle. It's a pattern. We collectively lose our minds every so often. And I firmly believe that it is a result of over domestication. Okay. So, you know, just for the sake of argument, just think about the difference between a pig and a cow. Okay. Now, these are both animals that we have domesticated to some degree for our own benefit. And, you know, just hear me out. I don't think that domestication is inherently a bad thing, but it is essentially a form of learned helplessness. Okay. Like domestic is no longer capable of taking care of itself. It is dependent on its master. Okay. And I I think we're there as a culture, guys. We are so dependent on our masters. And sheep then, like, I've heard it said, it's kind of a common phrase that, you know, there are two types of people. There are wolves and there are sheep. And, of course, that's always usually kind of said with the intent of, like, 
making you out to be some kind of predator or something. Um, but I think, I think it's a valid argument because, you know, I think most people are truly sheep. I really do. I think they've stopped thinking for themselves almost entirely. They are completely dependent on the system, on their master. You know, they cannot fend for themselves any longer. And that is what a sheep is. A sheep is a fully domesticated animal. I mean, there, there have probably not been many sheep that have ever left the herd for any reason of, you know, their, for any choice of their own. Maybe they got separated and chances are they died because the shepherd wasn't there to care for them and they didn't know how to care for themselves. You know, the wolf, on other hand, you know, in comparison to the sheep, which is clearly a herd animal, again, connecting this to people, I think we have been behaving like a herd animal in so many ways. But to be a wolf is to be a pack animal, okay? Now, there is such a thing as the lone wolf who chooses not to have a pack, but to simply like strike out on their own and live their own life, you know, of solitude. But I don't think that's natural necessarily for a wolf. I think that that is sort of the last choice. You know, to be a pack animal. You know, coming back to this idea of hierarchy. You know, there's a clear hierarchy in a pack. There is an alpha there is a beta, you know, there, the, the structure of a pack is fluid and complicated. And there is certainly a pecking order, a hierarchy, but it is not stagnant. It is not without challenge. You know, I guess I'll draw back to my last clip about capitalism and whether or not there's a hierarchy to it. Like clearly there is. You know, there are bosses and there are employees, but an employee can challenge their boss. You know, if a boss is not a good boss, they will have a very hard time keeping good employees. This is self-selection. This is self-organization, self-regulation. You know, it's the difference between being a pack animal and a sheep. If you are in a miserable job, and you hate your boss and you're just going along to get along, you know, I hate to tell you, but you're a sheep. You know, if you have been actively seeking out better jobs, more, you know, fulfilling jobs, then you are a wolf. You are a pack animal. You are not satisfied. You know, a sheep generally is satisfied all they need is a little grass and some guidance you know that's not much to ask a wolf requires much more to be fully satisfied you know i just think like people clearly have the ability to be domesticated fully you know we almost seem to prefer it in general um 
but I know for a fact, guys, that we can we can go feral again. We can we can stop being a herd animal. It's okay, Doc. It's okay. We can stop being a herd animal and start being a pack animal like like we're supposed to biologically. I mean, that's the thing with dem- a different species than they once were. You know, think about the dog. You know, here's one right here. You know, the dog, in biological terms, is the exact same as a wolf. But we have domesticated them fully. Or almost fully, I should say. Dogs can go feral. To me, this is what the big difference between a cow and a pig is. This is where the difference lies, okay? Pigs will readily and without hesitation go feral. They really kind of prefer it. A pig is never more piggy than when it's a feral hog, you know? They, They go from being pink to brown, their natural color. This is not in generations this is the same creature the same individual you know that was once kept in a pen you know kept penned up and fed you know it was domesticated and it it was pink that that's the color of it in its domesticated form but as soon as it breaks free as soon as it goes a little feral it starts to grow this thick brown fur and tusks why doesn't it grow tusks when it's in the pen because it doesn't need them you know to be a feral person is no different than to be a polymath okay like to be a polymath is to learn what you need when you need it and apply it and to apply everything that you've learned. So if you think about it, like to be a feral human is to be a continual learner. So many people, you know, when they get out of school and start their you know, career, it's kind of like they've stopped learning entirely. They've settled into the routine of domestication. See, Doc's a little bit feral. You know, even though, see, he really wants to go, like, hunt down and eat a squirrel that he can see. And frankly, guys, I feel like an asshole for not letting him. Because I know he's not going to catch it. He's only ever caught one. Don't know how he did it, but I was impressed he brought a live squirrel home. I was proud of him. But, you know, so often I... I've got him on a leash. I won't let him do what's natural because it's not socially acceptable. Okay? Like, guys, I know what I've done the last few weeks is not socially acceptable. It's because I don't give a fuck no more. It's because I've gone a little feral. Okay? It's because I'm a little bit wild. I've, I've chosen not to be a sheep, but instead to be a wolf. That doesn't mean I'm some kind of heartless predator. What it means is I'm looking for my pack. And I want to live naturally, okay? Just like my dog wants to go chase this squirrel. Because that's what he knows is right. 
And who am I to stop him? You know, God, I need to buy some property out in the country, guys, more for his sake right now than mine. Because I can tell, you know, he's not satisfied. He wants to hunt. He wants to kill. And that's not bad. Like when we stop learning, we're convinced that we've got it all figured out, that we know the difference between right and wrong, that we know how to do our job, that we know what we need to know. A polymath, a feral human will never know everything that he needs to know. There is always more to learn and he needs to learn it. Because there's always another challenge. I keep coming back to this idea of like self-imposed trauma, self-imposed challenge, you know, adversity, struggle. It's because that's what nature is all about, guys. Like struggle breeds strength. And we've been living in this culture that has basically tried to convince us all that like struggle is the enemy that we should live easy that we should live comfortably but how do we evolve if there's no pressure to evolve he has not given up on his wild nature guys i will not let him give up on his wild nature i'm not gonna punish him for trying to chase a squirrel i just won't do it because that's what's right look at this guy he's saying let me out i want to run i want to i want to i want to hunt and i'm a real asshole for not letting him do it anyways maybe i'll call it there for the moment i think uh i'll post these two clips and kind of see what kind of final thoughts i have but i think this stuff is really important right now guys like Yo, we spend so much of our energy and time like bickering over shit that does not matter. You know, which is exactly what they want. It's why the media is what it is, like this false dichotomy of politics. Like they want us to be distracted so they can keep getting away with this shit, right? As long as we're fighting each other, we're not fighting them. The ruling elite, I hope this is clear. They want us at each other's throats so we won't go for theirs. Be a wolf. Don't be a sheep. Once you become a wolf, you're much better at recognizing them. And some wolves are pure evil. And they prey on the sheep. I don't ever want to be that kind of wolf, you know? But I certainly don't ever want to go back to being a sheep, okay? And I hope you don't either. You know, if you're starting to get this, if you're starting to, like, hear what I'm saying, you're halfway there, you know? The battle's halfway over. Like, just just see it through. Rewild yourself. Go feral doesn't mean you gotta like move out into a tp and whatever take it to the extreme what it means is critical thinking and from
frankly, guys, it wouldn't hurt to turn off the cable news because that programming is so detrimental to our wild nature. They have us so concerned about so many things that we cannot control. And we spend all this time just miserable trying to, like, figure out what to do. We don't know what to do. And it's because we don't know how to think anymore. We have been trained. We have been programmed not to think. That's why I have so much beef with the public schools and with the media. These are two different types of programming, okay? And I'll even throw organized religion in there, okay? That's why I'm against mega churches. It's why I'm against public schooling or centralized. I'll, I'll clarify that centralized public schooling, government controlled school, say, you know, it's why I'm against government. It's like these institutions are designed to keep us domesticated. They are designed to stop us from thinking critically. And they are designed to make you a sheep when biologically you are a wolf. If you want to know what human communities should look like, read up about Jane Goodall's research, okay? Because that tells us more about our true nature than any any of the bullshit you can watch on cable news. You know, read about human history and human prehistory, okay? Even more importantly, because civilization was our biggest misstep. Agriculture led to civilization. So maybe I should say that agriculture was the misstep. We were never meant to be city dwellers. We were never meant to live in a pen. We were supposed to be free and wild and live in a pack. And I think my pack is starting to come together, guys. Like, you know, me and my friends, a lot of times we, we disagree on things fundamentally, but we respect each other's opinions and we like to talk about this shit because it's interesting, you know, like, God, I'm glad I'm not, like, friends with a bunch of people that just go with the flow. You know, most of my friends, they find their own, they find their own flow, you know? They're doing what they want to do, not what everybody's telling them they should do, okay? Therein lies the rub. That's the difference, you know? Domestication, learned helplessness, doing what's expected versus independence, freedom, doing what's right, doing what I want. You know, at this point, I just really don't know how any rational person could disagree with me. But please, you know, if you can make you know, a clear argument, pro-domestication, I'd like to hear it, you know. But to me, that is that is the main enemy. Our own learned helplessness. Like we need to learn 
to help ourselves once more and to help each other, you know. This notion of independence, it's not as clear cut as I once thought, as I've alluded to already, like being an independent person also requires recognizing your dependence on others. But mainly, I think what independence is, is independence from your masters, whatever they may be. I have succeeded in becoming independent in my income. You know, I may have to pick up a part-time job, help make ends meet, but most of my income, you know, I go out and I get it for myself. It's all between me and the client. As they say down in Texas, it's between you, me, and the fence post, meaning it ain't no one else's business. Frankly, guys, I am tempted maybe starting next season to go to a cash-only business. And I'm not going to expand on that because it should be obvious what the motivating factors are there. But frankly, guys, like, if we all don't start doing that, start taking back our independence from our master's, like shit's just going to get worse and worse. You know, we're caught in these feedback loops. I want to do an episode, so I won't go into the idea too much, but I want to do an episode all about feedback loops because this is a principle of ecology that is very apparent in our culture right now where we get caught in these loops, positive and negative, and they're very hard to break. You know, first thing to mind is just sort of the media cycle, this manic, schizophrenic media cycle where every day there's a there's a crisis, you know, and sure enough, you know, right now it's true. There is a, there's a crisis, but this has been going on for so long where it doesn't matter what it is. The media uses this tone, this emergency tone, this warlike tone to rile everybody up and a week later we all forget about what we were so riled up about and we move on to the next thing that we're all riled up about i'll admit i got very swept up in the black lives matter movement and i'm glad i did i think it's overall a very positive force for change but part of me can't help but wonder how much i have been manipulated I can't help but wonder how much of these riots was orchestrated, was pre-planned. You know, it's not so far-fetched, guys. I'm, I really try not to go down the rabbit hole of conspiracy thought. But, like, frankly, guys, I just don't trust anybody. I think a lot of this shit that's going on right now, maybe to some degree was intentional, even possibly coronavirus. That's a thought that I've kept in check. I've been very careful to let myself think that maybe coronavirus was engineered and released intentionally, but it's always been in the back of my mind as like a possibility. But just today, guys, I was listening to a podcast and I really trust the host 
I'll put it this way. I really trust the host of this podcast. For those of you that listen to it, I was actually a guest on his podcast a little over a month ago. It's called the Survival Podcast. I highly recommend people go listen to it because it's common sense stuff, okay? And I think the host is a very smart guy. And he had another very intelligent guy on as a guest, somebody I'm not as familiar with, but I I respected most everything he said in this episode. And he was talking about the fact that he has it on good authority that coronavirus was in fact manufactured and released. He did not say that he knows for sure that it was released intentionally, but he says that it was for certain manufactured, engineered. And again, this is not my opinion. This is one man's words on a podcast that I respect. So I'm taking them seriously. I'm not saying I know this for certain. I'm going to say that right now I feel about 65 to 70% certain that coronavirus is not a natural disease, that it is artificial, that it is engineered. And if that is the case, then we have to begin to wonder why, for what end. And if it was in fact released intentionally, why? I think one logical answer might be to destabilize everything for the sake of making a argument in favor of increased government control, even in the form of martial law. You might this is as far down the rabbit hole of, of conspiracy as I probably will ever go without having firm information, you know, undeniable fact. But guys, like, if you don't think that that's possible, okay, because these people are not good people. They will do anything. They will say anything to get, you know, to get what they want. If you don't believe me, just go back and like, watch how many times our own government and our own media like flipped and flopped about what to do with coronavirus, how to respond to it. You know, just the one issue of whether or not to wear masks. How many times we were told you don't need to wear a mask just to be told like a month and a half later, oh, you know what? It probably would have been a good idea. This like this whole time. You know, you can't blame people for not knowing what to think anymore. How can you know what to think when you're told such counter, you know, such conflicting thoughts, conflicting facts. God, I just don't really believe in facts anymore, guys. I think we should stick to the realm of opinion because at least with opinion, there's a degree of uncertainty. When you start labeling things facts, then it becomes harder to argue against them. Again, like how do we have rational conversations, productive arguments, productive debates? Like, do not put other people's ideas down. It starts there. You know, use your ears. Listen. Listen to what people have to say. I do not know whether or not coronavirus was engineered. But at this point, my opinion is that it is probable.
take that for what it is, guys. Strive for a little more independence from the system. Try to go a little more feral. Trust me, you won't be disappointed. This one's getting real long, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call it. Talk to you guys soon. Well, got a little heavy on you guys there, but what's new? I really don't think I have much to say on top of it. Um, I mean, I guess I just don't think me some kind of like tin foil hat wearing motherfucker, you know, like not, you know, I, I very much stay focused on what matters to me. Like today I just kicked ass guys. I kicked so much ass. I kicked so much ass. I got so much done like tomorrow. Like I'm ready to go for tomorrow. Like I'm just grooving. I'm grooving. Everything I need is already at my work site for tomorrow. I finished one project and like got everything ready for another. It's because I use systems thinking. You know, that's not a notion I've shared yet, but I'm not going to talk about it too much. It's kind of self-explanatory, but it's what permaculture is all about. Is like, you can do many things in one day. I've said it. What I'm doing here is what's called function stacking. You know, I mean, I feel kind of like pathetic even asking one more time because I said I wouldn't do it again. But like, I'll just make the case to you guys that it's okay to be selfish. And I wouldn't mind those of you that like these videos, like to actually like hit the like button or like even better hit the little arrow that says you'll you know, share it. You don't have to share it to like everybody you follow, but maybe, you know, like one or two people that are kind of like free thinkers, you know, just saying like, I'm putting a lot of work in here, guys, you know, I'm putting a lot of work into easy peasy, right? A lot of people got my back on easy peasy, you know, word of mouth is a beautiful thing. I wouldn't mind it if some of these videos kind of got shared around, you know, like shoot me, you know, like, would that be the worst thing if like your buddy that's basically just trying to pre this connection going out, it's going to drive me crazy, but as I was saying, like, you've got a friend that's like exercising his freedom of speech and like putting a lot of fucking work into it. And uh, I want to seem pathetic, but just like nobody, as far as I know, has like had the balls to even hit the like button, except for like my sister and my mom and like three or four other people. Okay. Just saying, guys, like Instagram, I have faith in Instagram because I think it's like an anarchistic system based on likes and shares, you know. 
So if you think my thoughts are like of value, don't like hoard them, you know, share them with a couple of folks. What do you have to lose? You know, God, I feel like I'm on my knees right now, but like, like I said, would it be so bad if the guy in your, in your life that, you know, who's basically just trying to tell everybody to grow a backyard vegetable garden because it's pretty fucking logical. You know, fuck all the rest. Like, I don't care if you are pissed at me. Like you're, I don't know. Just looking for like a little bit of bravery and like barely that at, at, you know, barely that. Should probably get off my soapbox, you know. But I like this soapbox because I think it's practical. I do. Like permaculture, guys. Permaculture. God damn it. I feel like a broken fucking record, but like. Just to put it frankly, 75 to 100 views, just I'm not satisfied. I got one video that's got like 300 and some views, and that feels like something. But, God, it feels like I'm barking up a tree and nobody's listening, you know. So I know that's not fair. That's not fair. People are listening. But I'm asking you just to, like, be brave, you know. I'm the one saying it. You're just the one sharing it, you know? Like, it's not your face. So if I can do this, like, fuck you if you can't hit the button. That's pretty mean to say, but, like, whatever, guys. Whatever. I don't even care. You know, love you all. I do. I've had some real homies, like, show up for me. Like, would it be so bad if all of a sudden, like, my followers went from, you know, 400 to, like, 4,000? That would be awesome, you know? And I'll keep making these videos, and I'll probably stop using the big A word so much, you know? But, like, it's to drive home the point, guys. Like, America was based on anarchy from the very beginning. Our government was – the Constitution was written to restrict what the government could do. And they've written so many ways around it, you know, they've written their way around it so many times. So, God, you know, I'm like, I'm out of words. I'm out of words for tonight. We'll see what the next one's about. I hope you guys are enjoying it. I do. I do. That's the main thing. I hope more people can enjoy it too. I do. All I'm advocating for here is free thought and the free exchange of ideas. Even if you don't agree with every single one of them. All right, that's about enough guilt tripping because I really fucking hate guilt trips. But I've asked nicely a bunch of times and like, I don't know, it's just not happening, you know. So if you watched this damn near hour long video like why not share it if i kept you interested maybe i can keep some others interested too you know it's kind of folks that i know at this point at first it was helpful now it's kind of awkward because i'm really trying to talk to everybody and is that such a bad thing what's going on y'all Dirty as usual. 
it's a good day of work. Uh, got my sweat on big time. It's hot out there, you know. But wanted to put this one out. Uh, the theme of the episode is squirrels and ants. A little less obvious what the theme of that might be, but we'll get to it, you know. And I'm actually going to play these clips kind of in reverse order because basically I filmed one of them last night, like when I was really kind of drunk and, uh, and I think it's all like good thoughts. Like, I think it's all great. Um, but I kind of want to play like the sober clip first, you know, it's almost like, it's like the summary first. Um, and then like last night, the clip from last night's more just kind of like the stream of consciousness, like, I think these are my two modes for this video stuff, guys. Like some of it is very much stream of consciousness and like raw emotion. And some of it is very like analytical and like pragmatic. And so I'm going to give you that like analytical pragmatic stuff first. And we'll show you the raw, the raw shit later. All right. So here you go. This one's pretty short. What's up, y'all? So I'm, I'm thinking about like, you know, continuing down this road with, with political theory, political systems, you know, socialism versus capitalism versus communism versus fascism. And it's got me on this idea of equality right now, okay? So, like, I think so many people are confused about what true equality is, like, what it looks like. You know, they, they think that equality is when everybody gets, like, the same amount, the same shit, like the same opportunities. And that's like not necessarily true, guys. Like, I don't think that's even remotely true. You know, I think true equality is inherently like unequitable. Maybe that's not the right way of saying it, but you know, like I'm thinking about the natural world and how it operates as always. That's always where I look for wisdom. And I'm thinking about like two different types of creatures. All right. Like one of them is the squirrel and the squirrel is what you would call an individualist. And I think these political theories can be broken down basically into two categories, you know, individualism and collectivism. And we, uh, sorry, I'm going around a roundabout. It's a little, little bit of traffic going on. Got to focus up. Uh, but like individualism, like a great example of an individualist creature is the squirrel. Okay. Like the squirrel is very self-reliant. Like the squirrel spends so much time preparing, you know, like it spends all summer and fall, like gathering nuts and storing them for winter. And like, do you think that the squirrel that doesn't collect enough nuts to make it through winter do you think like all the other squirrels like come together and like share and give this like squirrel that didn't prepare well enough like do you think they give him some of their their nuts and whatever like no like that squirrel fucking dies okay and that is equality it is one form of equality on the other hand you know you do have collectivist creatures and i'm thinking about ants okay like ants also put a lot of work 
into preparation for winter. But they very much do it as a colony, as a collective. They are communists. You know, they, each one of them has a role that they function. And it's for the greater good of the entire colony. And, you know, if the colony as a whole doesn't do enough to, pre to prepare then the entire colony dies. So I'm not saying that one is any better than the other. I'm saying that they both are different forms of equality, different forms of social organization. And maybe they each have their place. But we have to like boil it down to the fact that it's really just, you know, you can call it whatever you want, but it's striving for this balance between individualism and collectivism. I think that would, that's like what socialism tries to preach is like this balance of capitalism and communism. And I'm not a socialist, but I'm not anti-socialist. You know, I am an anarchist, but I've, you know, primarily, like first and foremost, I am a pragmatist, okay? Like the reason I am an anarchist is because it's the pragmatic decision in our current situation, in my mind. Like I said, if government is too big, like what what rational stance can you take other than to become anti-government for a time? You know, until we find sim symbiosis between government and the citizenry, like, you know, until we find that symbiotic balance, it will always be a parasitic deal. You know, they, they take as much as we let them take. And we've let them take a lot. And it's all for this, like, idea of collectivism, you know, for the common good. But I think we are out of balance, guys. Like, we have lost our individual individuality, you know, our individualism. If we can't hang on to our individualism, like... We are subject to the fate of the colony, you know, like maybe we need to find that balance, guys. Like, don't be just a squirrel. Like, don't be just an ant. You know, like, take care of yourself, be self-reliant, but also contribute to the greater good. Like, give, like, in permaculture, we say return of surplus, okay? And that can apply to social structure or that can apply to like straight up like gardening, like land management. Like right now, guys, in this country, like so many people rake up their leaves and bag them in plastic and throw them in the dump. That is the opposite of return of surplus like in. They're so practical, guys, and they they apply to everything. It's not just about organic gardening, you know. It's about social organization. Like we need to reorganize. We do. All right, I'm gonna shut this one down because the last one was really long. I'll keep this one short. I think I said what I needed to say. You know, guys, like think about it. Like individualism and collectivism. Neither is good. Neither is bad. But out of balance, either of them can be.
duality, guys. Equal and opposite. It does not mean they are mutually exclusive. In fact, it means the opposite of that. It means they are radically interconnected. They are mutually inclusive. Like socialism and capitalism, I think they go hand in hand. But only if they are in balance. All right, y'all. Say hi to Doc. What's up? We'll talk to you soon. What's up, y'all? So. All right, so there's the summary. Um, I guess I'll give you some context in that I've been watching Ken Burns's The National Parks, you know, the series produced by PBS. And I highly recommend it, guys. It is some high-quality content. You know, it's the type of programming that we need. And I get into the, you know, concept of programming here in the next one. So, you know, keep in mind, there is stuff that we can consume that is, like, beneficial. I kind of rag on consumption because, anyways, I'll just show it to you. This one's a little longer. It's about 30 minutes. So, you know, be patient, guys. Like, like I keep saying, what do you have? What, what do you have control of right now? aside from your own time and you know maybe it's not fair of me to ask for so much of your time but anyways guys i think i think y'all need to hear this shit i do you know i can't keep it to myself anymore so here you go um as i said earlier i was a little drunk when i filmed this so you know don't shoot me here you go going on y'all not gonna lie like I'm a little bit I'm a little bit fucked up right now I'm not gonna lie but that's okay you know I went out I, I talked to some folks Two people in particular, one who's in the process of creating the next great yard game. I'm not even fucking around like it's going to it's going to blow Can Jam and Beersby out of the water. Talk to him for a good like solid hour. This other person I talked to, this girl, she, you know, I mentioned her in another video where said you know i met somebody that's connected with like nonprofits. we talked for a while we're gonna we're gonna start a community garden y'all we're gonna start a new non-profit brand new a brand new thing you know easy peasy is just gonna lend a hand that's all it's gonna be something of its own and I, that's a relief that's a relief but you know like guys i just i i didn't expect to film myself tonight like i kind of got drunk like and just had fun and like did my thing talked to people but then all of a sudden i started having these ideas and i wanted to get them down and it's because i've been talking about like capitalism socialism communism like in the last video and 
I just had this thought that like, what if they can all coexist, right? What if they are not mutually exclusive, you know? God, I, I hope I can keep a coherent thought together here, guys, for you. But I was thinking earlier today about the yin and yang and duality and how the yin and yang, you know, you can you can imagine it. We've all seen that symbol. You can you can see it in your mind. God, it's such a good representation of duality, equal and opposite. So in the yin and yang, you know, there's the dark and the light, and they're equal. They are opposite, but they are also intertwined. I think it's the part of the symbol that people do not think enough about. And it's the fact that on the light side, there's a small little circle of dark. And on the dark side, there is an equally small circle of light. And it's to say that they are interconnected. They are mutually inclusive. You know, this thought occurred to me of, you know, duality, like nothing is mutually exclusive, you know? It is equal. It, it is opposite. But that is not the end of it there. It's, you know, it's radically interconnected. So again, just imagine the yin and yang, dark and light, but within the dark is light and within the light there is dark. You know, it's not, God, maybe they should have just drawn a big gray circle, but that would not be very enlightening. There's not much to interpret with a gray circle. You know, there's a word I just said that I am very intrigued with. I have been for a long time, but to interpret, interpretation, okay? Like, that's a big thing in the outdoor, like, education world, the concept of interpretation. It's where you, you know, the concept of interpretation is not to educate per se, it is to provide the opportunity for education, but to interpret is to reveal, to show what is there and all of its, you know, facets. God, I'm kind of like <sighs> struggling here, guys, but. The idea that, yeah, okay, capitalism and socialism and communism and fascism, you know, I, I frankly, like, in my mind, like, fuck fascism, okay? That is the enemy. But who's to say that, like, the rest of them can't kind of intermingle and learn and you know, it's, it doesn't have to be just one or the other. They can be intertwined. They can be equals. They can be opposites. 
So say, like, just for argument's sake, that, like, capitalism is a synonym with anarchy. Because I think it is. You know, let it be. Laissez-faire. So if that is, like, the overarching mechanics of the world, are not like under the umbrella of capitalism. You know, it doesn't have to be oppositional. It could be cooperative. You know, like our, I think our federal government must remain capitalist-minded, not fascist-minded. Like, they, they prop up these corporations, these subsidies, they, you know, all these laws, all the tax law, everything. It's to, it's to give a leg up to the, to the wealthy because the wealthy are in, in control. You know, God, I, I, I shouldn't get off topic here, but, you know, if, if our federal government remained true to the idea of capitalism, of free market capitalism, if they just stayed out of everybody else's business, you know, who's to say, like, you know, we have, we have 50 states. Every state could try their own little thing, their own balance of socialism and capitalism and communism, you know, their own little, like, experiment. I, I love the idea. I, I, I heard it some years ago of, like, we currently have 50 experiments experiments in liberty going on you know 50 states in this country that are similar but different you know to me the problem is that the federal government has tried to make us the same you know and beyond the states you know the states set their rules but like the way I see it, like maybe like capitalism should be what the federal government focuses on. Okay. And like maybe socialism is what the state government should focus on. And perhaps communism is what the local, you know, the city and town level government should focus on to some extent. With a, with a balance of all the other ideas. But just think about that. Like, if the federal government was purely capitalist, they just stayed out of everybody's business except for to, like, make sure the, you know, the machine was well-oiled and unharmed. I guess I'll go back just for a moment to the idea that, like, the national parks, like public land management. This is the part of the federal government that I am like firmly in support of, even though I think they're doing like a poor job a lot of the time of it. The fact that we have public lands to me is huge. And how do you do that without some form of government? This is where I'm not like necessarily, you know, I call myself an anarchist because to me it is logical when the, the government has gotten too big, 
there is no choice but to become anti-government. But public, public lands should be preserved and protected. So if that was, you know, if that was the sole focus, if, if the preservation of our interior, you know, defense, roads, parks, if that was the focus of our federal government, then state governments could worry about things like police and fire departments and education. But they should always be kept in check with the local level. The local level should choose everything for the most part. That's what I call, you know, to some extent communism, like at the local level. God, I mean, I would have no problem paying the same amount in taxes as I do now. If 10% went to the Fed and the other you know, 20% went to my local issues, went to my local government, where I can actually talk to you know, this is what a federal republic is supposed to be, like, Our federal government has taken powers that do not belong to them. And it's time we like strip them of those powers. I'm not inherently against all socialist policy. I'm not inherently against, against all communist policy necessarily. I am against a communist federal government. I am against a socialist federal government because I believe that the federal government should be fundamentally capitalistic. But it's not to say that that works at all levels, you know. We need fire departments. To some extent, we need police. I guess while I'm on the subject, guys, like, I've just heard it too many times about, you know, people arguing against these these protests and these marches and, and the whole Black Lives Matter thing. Like, they keep saying this shit about, you know, there's way more deaths from black on black crime than there is from like police brutality yes that is true but you're taking it out of context why why is there so much black on black crime I'll give you a few seconds to think about that okay because the answer is so fucking obvious, like, if you don't know it, like, just wake up. Why is there so much black on black crime? It's very, very simple. 
the war on drugs. As well as just systemic racism as a whole. But I think the war on drugs is the only reason we have gang violence. Pick up a history book. Like, we should know what prohibition does by now. We've seen it. I don't give a fuck if it's booze or fucking crack. I don't care. It should not be criminal. Because when you make it criminal, you force it underground. And when you force it underground, it becomes violent. All of this shit is so obvious. The reason we have so much black-on-black crime is because of the fucking police. Duh. You know, I'm like so stoked, guys, because I had these conversations tonight. And one of them is going to lead to a community garden. And the other had nothing to do with anything other than a new game. A new yard game. A better version of cornhole. You know, like, I said, I said to this guy, I said, that's a million, that's a $10 million idea, you know. Like, keep going. They've already created it. They've got the prototype. They are in the process of figuring out mass production and distribution. You know, like, rock on. And on the other hand, I'm talking to this woman that is so fired up about the idea of starting a community garden in Fountain Square. And we've already got the parcel of land. And we've already got at least a handful of people that are ready to go. You know, guys, like, this is why I'm so adamantly calling on people to come out, you know, come out and play, to get out of quarantine. Nothing good happens when you sit in your house in fear. I don't care if you've got a mask on. Like, come out to the bars. I don't care if you order a fucking water with a lemon. Like, it doesn't matter. Sit down and talk, you know? Like, so much beautiful conversation is going on. And if you are not a part of it, like, get with the program, you know? I'm serious. so serious I love you guys like I'm just begging you I'm begging you to come out and play you know like I don't care if you're a communist I don't care if you're a socialist 
I don't care if you're a Democrat or a Republican or a freaking whatever. You know, I'd prefer if you weren't a Nazi, basically. That's like the one thing I'm just kind of like, like not into. But otherwise, like, come out and play, you know? Like, I'm pretty stoked to try out this new game because, like, it's been a while since I've played a new game. It's been a while since I've played any games, for God's sake, you know? It's because we're being played right now. They're trying to play us, guys. They're trying to play us against each other. Like, don't let them. Like, grab a cold one and come out and play, you know? For real. None of the rest of this shit matters. Let's party. They shut down the beaches, guys. They said you're not allowed to look at the ocean. Are you not as sick of this shit as I am? Like, for real. I might post this shit right now because, like, I just know I'm, I know that I'm speaking the truth, guys. They closed the beaches, you know. They wouldn't let you sit at the bar by yourself. taken away the choice of having responsibility for your own life. God, I'll say it one more time, guys, but if you are drawing one, you know, if you're drawing unemployment right now and you are not actively seeking out a new job or creating a new job, building a business, fucking get to work. Like, draw that unemployment, you know? But like, Take that money and make something of it. Don't just fucking jerk off, you know? This planet needs your help, like ASAP. ASAP, y'all. Does it seem like I'm wasting a day? Does it? Because if it does, like... You know, I've wasted some days in my life. I don't, I, I hope I never waste another day. You know, some days I, I need to rest. I need to recover. But it doesn't mean I'm not still thinking and doing. You know, sometimes like inaction is the correct option. But that's only for a time. That's only for a time. To be inactive for too long is to be fucking lazy sloth like get the fuck off the couch stop watching so much netflix and that's not to be an asshole i've done it i've done it myself i've spent months just sitting and watching netflix guys but generally that's because i live a fucking seasonal lifestyle and in the winter i give myself a chance to fucking relax and not not work so hard but even still i shouldn't be consuming programming i should be reading books and writing books if you are not creating something you are consuming something 
and we all need to consume a certain a certain amount, but we are consuming at an astronomical rate. Consumption has become a disease. We're all so fucking worried about COVID, but like address your consumption. And I mean that in terms of programming, media, social networking, whatever. But I mostly mean it in terms of raw fucking materials, okay? Like, how much are you producing versus how much are you consuming in terms of biomass? You ever heard the term biomass, okay? Plant some fucking seeds in the dirt and you'll know about biomass a seed that's fucking this big can create so much biomass and can can provide food or habitat for other life forms guys like we have been such a parasite god i'm getting like i'm going There are only so many different types of relationships, okay? The ultimate relationship that, you know, we find in nature is what's called symbiosis. In other words, mutually beneficial. A relationship in in which both parties net a positive result but there is also the parasitic relationship in which one party benefits and the other is harmed is victimized so I am so striving for us to create a symbiotic relationship with our government. But right now it is parasitic. They prey on us for their own benefit. And if you think I'm wrong, like just go fuck yourself. I'm not going to become like Mr. Nice Guy anytime soon, guys, because frankly, I'm not getting enough support. I've had a handful of people really like tell me I'm, I'm, I'm talking truthfully. Everybody else just fucking kept their mouth shut. Like I said, there is a time for inaction, but that is only for a time. You need to start creating something. Instead of being a goddamn leech, okay? If you are drawing unemployment and you are not actively seeking out new employment or creating streams of income for yourself independently, like, you are a parasite. You are a leech. You are not contributing. You are not producing. Get with the fucking program, guys. I'm so sick of being Mr. Nice Guy. Get a fucking job or make one. (laughs) 
God damn it. You know, like, I made a really good job for myself, guys. And you know what I'm going to do tomorrow? I'm going to call up somebody and ask for another job because despite the fact that I'm, like, busting my hump, like, I need more money. I need more money because it's just not quite enough, you know? Because the government is leeching on me to feed all of you. I know that's like, God damn it. Like, that's not, that's not fair. That's not true. But it, it feels that way. Right now, it feels that way. I'm working my fucking ass off. I've been working my ass off ever since COVID. Like, I have not stopped, okay? I have not drawn unemployment. I got that 1200 bucks that they gave to me. But I have not filed for any assistance because I don't fucking want it. Some people that call themselves anarchists believe in the idea of, you know, bleeding the pig dry in terms of like, yeah, I'll draw unemployment. I'll draw unemployment while I'm working. You know, I'll, I'll work for cash and I'll draw unemployment all day. So you're anti-government, but you're taking their you're taking their handouts. That to me seems totally counterintuitive. Like. Well, just not even counterintuitive, just like kind of like cheap, just like not even legit, like practice what you preach. If you believe yourself to be an anarchist, you need to strive to be independent from the system. You don't take their handouts and you don't give them any more fucking money than you absolutely have to. telling you guys like in my mind the fed is so delegitimized right now like the only shit that matters is your home is like your own town you know your home like but that's not exactly true because they manipulate us from on high so it's time that we fucking do something about it stop being manipulated stop being Stop being fed. Like, feed yourself. Don't let them tell you what to think. Think for yourself. I really ought to stop. This is like a half an hour of me going on and on, but like... Fucking tell me if I'm wrong, okay? This is not to, like, make anybody feel bad that's drawing unemployment. It's just to shake you awake. Like, if you are drawing checks and doing nothing to earn it, you are contributing to a potential depression, a major economic depression. Because, frankly, guys, you can't just print money and expect, like, expect things to keep going. That's what we've been doing for a few months now. They're just printing money. Telling us to stay inside. Fucking get after it, guys. Get after it. Make some money. Figure something out. Use your big brain. You know how powerful this shit is? Like, we still haven't built a computer even like one-tenth as powerful as our brain. 
anybody that thinks I need like psychiatric help, anybody that thinks I need medication, like for real, just go fuck yourself because I'm using my brain to its full capacity and a little bit of weed and a little bit of beer doesn't seem to hurt too much. But I ain't taking no fucking Prozac or no fucking Zoloft or none of that bullshit. No Adderall. Like, those pills are not natural, guys. They are not natural. Get off of them pills. Like, all of them. I'll give a qualifier there, you know. My buddy with Parkinson's disease, like... He's really had to work hard to find a balance of medication that seems to help. But you know what? Like I've said, gardening seems to help a lot. Y'all find a natural remedy. Get off them pills, y'all. Like we think we're so fucking smart. Just because we've extended our, like, life expectancy, you know, like, but what are those last 20 years worth, guys? What are they worth if you spend them alone in some fucking nursing home, just, like, basically not being allowed to die with dignity? I would so much rather die with dignity at age, like, 75 than to be dragged along and like artificially kept alive. It's all relative. Of course, both of my parents had cancer and beat it. They're going to live, you know, another 20 years. Like I would not, I would not refuse medical treatment by any means. I'm just saying guys, like, Like the number of years on this planet is not the end all be all for our existence. Like that is not the ultimate goal just to like make it to 99 or a hundred. The end all be all is to leave behind a legacy. Like, are you working on a daily basis towards your legacy? I am genuinely like, Maybe I'm a fool, but like, I really think I could help like change the world. I ain't going to do it by myself though, guys, you know, God damn. Like I don't got that much energy. I got, I'm pretty energetic guy, you know, but like, can't do it all. Can't do it by myself. Like fucking help out. Would you lend a hand? I'm really laying the guilt trips on hard these last couple. And I am able to keep working. I am taking no handouts. Not that I would refuse them if someone, you know, forced them on me. I took my 1200 You know, I'll listen to you. I ain't going to turn you away. But, like, guys, I, I'm not asking for it because I believe in independence. I believe in self-reliance. I believe in responsibility. To you, like, are you responsible for yourself right now? Are you self-reliant or is your master feeding you? Think about it. What's going on, y'all?
All right. Yeah, I, you know, that was kind of rough, right? Like, I'm being kind of a dick. I know it. I know it. But it has to be done. It has to be done, guys. Like, I just can't help but see the pattern here of, like, so many people becoming even more dependent on government. It's what they want. Gives them all the power. All right, so I just, I wrote down like a few kind of final thoughts. I'll try not to wander off of them. You know, I want to wrap this up pretty quick. But, you know, thinking again in terms of like individualism and collectivism, like my business is very individualistic. You know, in that I am one man trying to make a living serving my individual clients, okay? And now, like, on the other side, this idea of collectivism, like these community gardens, you know, I've got one going in Zionsville. You know, it's still in the works, kind of. You know, we've started. We've started. And this brand new one that's kind of going to come together, you know, fingers crossed. But, you know, fuck that. Like, just look at me, guys. Like, since when have I put my mind to something and not gotten it? Like, it's not like there's anything special about me. I just really go after shit. I work hard. But, like, I don't want to live this, like, purely individualistic lifestyle. Like, I want to be a part of the collective. And my way of doing that is by helping set up these community gardens, lending my expertise, lending my labor. You know, and all we're going to have to do is raise a little bit of funds and like we're, we're rocking and rolling, you know, and it's a good thing for everybody. So like, anyways, guys, I'm just starting to think like I'm just as much a communist as I am a capitalist. And it's because I'm an anarchist. I'm allowed to think this way. Get off the Democrat Republican train, y'all. Like it's. It's not that fucking simple, you know? So here I wrote something down. I'll try to read my own handwriting here. Um, so balance is not a compromise between two sides of a dualistic relationship. It's not a compromise between two sides. Balance is the inclusion and acceptance of both sides and not letting one or the other take too much control. You know, like this notion of like, I think I, I kind of misspoke. I said, I said experiments of liberty. The phrase is actually laboratories of liberty as like an idea of thinking like every state has kind of their own, their own style, you know, and we have every right to pick up and move, but like we should extend it beyond just the states. Like every little town needs to be its own laboratory of liberty you know like you can be a commune you know you can be a bunch of communists living in a commune like and that's your laboratory of liberty you know like you're free to do that that's fucking your prerogative you know also like something i'm kind of correcting was this idea of like 
the federal government being purely capitalistic and the state government being like socialistic and the local government being communistic. I'm, I'm, I'm going to lump the federal. You know, luckily they they don't they don't agree. The Fed and the states don't agree on everything, so like that's a good thing. But they're both kind of like too big, in my opinion. You know, they should those should both be kind of like laissez-faire governments, um, in my mind. And then local governments, you know, it's up to the location. That's up to the town. You know, do what you want. Make it as communistic as whatever as fucking you want. Which takes me to this idea of government-controlled education, right? I mentioned it in my last video, but like to me, it is such a dangerous thing to allow. Like the people that stand to gain the most by like brainwashing entire generations are the ones that we allow to like control our education. They stand to gain the most from keeping us stupid, and they are in charge of education. Like, it's just wrong. It's just wrong. Like, decentralize education. Take responsibility for the education of your children. We have abdicated that responsibility to the government. That is not good. That is not good. Take responsibility. All right. This kind of closing thought. I have produced conversations I've produced poems. I've produced ideas and thoughts. I've interpreted to the best of my ability. I hope people consume what I have produced. Do you produce anything that you want people to consume? I am begging that we get back to work. I think this is an opportunity for anybody that has half of halfway, you know, any kind of entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial, like idea that you've been toying with, just jump into it. I've said it before, but I did not know what I was doing when I started easy peasy, you know, like I didn't know what I was doing, but I do now I figured it out along the way. So take those fucking checks that, you know, the government's given you, and as much as possible, like channel it into something productive. Like, like address your consumption and address your productive capacity. I'm telling you guys, start planting seeds. I mean that mostly literally, but definitely it's kind of a metaphor. Just start planting seeds, see which ones grow. It's not that hard. What I'm doing right now just ain't that hard. I'm trying to plant as many seeds as I can. I'm trying to capture and store energy. This notion I've kept repeating over and over of capturing and storing energy. I mean it in terms of these videos, you know, but I also mean it in terms of gardening and everything else I'm talking about. Like the beauty of planting a seed is that a plant, a plant is the most efficient means of taking sunlight and converting it into consumable energy. You know, photosynthesis is a miracle, y'all. Like, 
plant takes minerals and nutrients from the soil and it takes sunlight and it takes carbon from CO2 and it creates sugars like out of just thin air, guys. Out of thin air, plants do so much work. They produce so much. And we have raped our planet. We have not been grateful to the ecosystem. We have been a blight on this planet. We have been a disease, a virus. The only thing in the living world that does not have any is a virus. A virus does not do anything but destroy. So we need to stop being a virus. Start that one over and then I'm done, I swear. But a virus is basically nothing more than like Mother Earth checking the population. That's what a virus is. It is creative destruction. Well, no, it's just destruction. It's up to us to like create something in its wake. Okay? I'm barely talking about COVID here. I'm talking about the human cultural virus we call civilization. We call agriculture. We have to redesign this entire planet starting now. Start reading about permaculture design theory, okay? It's not theory. It's a design system, okay? A fully realized system that has been working for over 40 years now. Tell me if your system has been working without fail for 40 years. I just, I just won't believe you at this point. All right, guys, like, Hey, I am going to a comedy show tonight. Definitely looking forward to like, just not bothering with looking at Instagram. Just going to laugh, you know, have some fun with some new friends. Um, one of them's performing. So like definitely trying to go support. So go out, do shit, support the economy guys. Get out of your house. All right, gotta gotta sign off. Talk to you later. All right, first Facebook Live and or Instagram Live in a long time. Um, I'm trying to get my buddy Ashwin on here. We'll see if I can do that. Ashwin's living in the UK. I just thought it'd be interesting to get his, there he is, get his take on a few things from that perspective. So Let's see if he can join. All right. Some technical issues as, as expected, but here I am. Hey, how's it going, Michael? How you doing, bud? I'm good. I'm, I'm good. good. I'm good. So um, we just, I tell you what, I'm getting a little bit of echo on your end. If you could maybe turn your volume down, that's better. 
How about that? It's gone now. Yeah. Okay. I'm a loud guy, you know, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I mean, as you know, we just spent a little time catching up on the personal stuff uh, off of this. But I wanted to get on Facebook. I keep saying Facebook Live. This is Instagram. But um, it doesn't matter. Yeah, same shit. Same shit. I just wanted to kind of like, you know, see how things are going over where you're at. Um, get your sort of take on a few things. Obviously, there's been a lot of crazy news. And I guess without getting into like the details too much, I know that you had a bit of an inside look into the U.S. government. We'll kind of leave it as vague as you want as far as that goes. Um but I'm very interested to hear. I haven't really talked to you since the election happened and since the storming of the Capitol. And really since like the beginning of COVID, we really haven't talked a whole lot. So I'm, I guess I'm just kind of, that's a whole lot to chew on there. Yeah. Yeah. I guess let's start with the election and, um, as much as you want to talk about Trump or as little, whatever your feelings are about how that all shook out. Yeah. I mean, I'll try and remain as objective as I can. Um, and of course you alluded to the point that I have an association with the previous administration, which I did. And um, it was also an association with the campaign. So I was quite heavily involved in the politics of it as well in the buildup to the previous election. And mm-hmm. once uh, Trump took office and I was involved more on the government side and more with the, governmental work as opposed to the politics. My sentiment towards the election is one of dismay, um, disgust, and confusion. Uh, But all of this combined with the feeling of trying to move on and move forward. Uh Um, I'm, I'm I'm quite certain without actually having access to people who know things and like the hard facts, I'm quite certain the election wasn't rigged. I'm quite certain the, the votes weren't changed. Um, these are extremely complicated machines. And, and if you've been, ever been around one, you know that they are not easy to tap into, especially remotely, mm. especially remotely. Um, and with COVID and stuff, I know that they were trying to maintain lines, socially distance the facilities. So it's, it's as it is, it's hard. And with this sort of restriction, I'd, I'd imagine it's impossible. My, my dismay comes from the previous president um, and on, on how he reacted, and not just to the defeat, but I would argue the last 18 months of his tenure were, were quite problematic, and they, they swung in very different directions as opposed to what I would have expected from him. Having worked with him, I, I have a decent understanding, very minimal grasp of what he's like to work with, right? Um, yeah. And uh, I, that's not how I would have predicted things. Um, initially, I thought the U.S. did well, trying to close off from China, closing off from Europe. Um, I think the the messaging was a bit different than the actions, and that's always a problem for for the people, uh, because we don't have time to look into different things. We just want to know what's important, and then we make our own decisions. That's how it works out in the West. But if the messaging is counterintuitive to what the government is doing, then you don't you don't believe either, and that's that's where the spiral started, in my opinion, especially in relation to COVID. And then COVID really fucked up. Trump, didn't he? I think otherwise he was on track to have a good election. He got 10 million more votes. Yeah. Just think of that, you know, in isolation to whatever Biden got. If you were right. to believe the media of the last four years, his presidency, in their words, was a shit show. Um, so 10 million vo- more votes is a big, big margin. 
Um, well, that's that's the thing. I mean, where where I live, golly, I mean, you know, like Bloomington versus like, you know, Indianapolis. You kind of got a gist of that that whole thing. So I I've got people all over the place on the spectrum as far as my friends go, and I don't want to get real political necessarily with this conversation, except to maybe talk about sort of certain values that you and I share, and we can get there in a, in a bit. But I agree with you that I don't think the election was rigged. Um, I think a lot of the troubles that we have as a result of sort of the the way the election shook out is partly due to the fact that the concerns about the legitimacy of the le- the election were never quite taken seriously on on the news, at least for the most part. And so a lot of people just felt like their concerns weren't heard. Obviously, it led to some really bad things. Um, You know, I don't want to ever, like, come across as justifying any sort of violent actions because I'm I'm an inherently anti-violent person. But I'm curious about, like, how the portrayal, sort of general feelings over in the U.K., after seeing the the events of the storming of the Capitol, you know that that it's had exactly to been... it's is exactly how you'd expect. You know the 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 reaction here. I would imagine it's a, a bit more severe because the UK is more left on average than the US, mm. right? The average Britisher is more left than the average American, right? And here it was one of, I, in my opinion, from what I sensed, it was more shocking here than it was in the US. My take on it is a slightly different, and I'll try and use an example to illustrate my point, I suppose. Let's imagine it wasn't Trump in the White House, right? Let's imagine that someone a bit more neutral or someone who was a bit more light. Sure. They were the sitting president, and they believed, solemnly believed, for one reason or the other, right, that uh, the election has been stolen. And they urged their supporters, directly or indirectly, to, to fight for their demo- democratic rights. I don't think particularly storming the Capitol, non-violently, I should say, is a bad idea. Mm-hmm. I think in a democracy, you need to see upheaval. You need to see how, how far people are willing to go for what they want. Right. It's, you know, when we, when, we, when we talk about conversation, it's not just about talking. Sometimes conversation is physical. You know, you, when you're speaking with people, you can see, right, how they physically manifest their emotions. That's why it's so important to be with someone in order to get a feeling for how they feel about a particular topic, let's say. Mm-hmm. And human beings only get pushed that far when they, they've not been listened to. For not a second am I trying to condone the violence. I, I've heard of, of stories from congressmen, congresswomen about uh, you know, how it was dangerous and how they felt in the moment. And I'd probably right. be the same. I'd probably feel more scared, um, especially as someone who may be considered as an outsider for their skin color or for whatever matter, right? You, you just, thousand things go through your mind in that fight or flight scenario. Mm-hmm. So I have deep empathy for, for the people who suffered through that and who, who probably are still carrying some mental weight of that, mental baggage of that. But as a concept, you know, they took it too far, but as a concept, there's nothing right. wrong with it. It's, a, it's enshrined in the constitution. I agree in, in, a, in a certain respect, like you, you have to draw a line somewhere and obviously they at times were destructive, breaking windows, breaking down doors, um, disobeying law enforcement, things like that. But obviously that's not anything we haven't already seen this year. 
Um, mm. You know, it, to me, it was very interesting, this immediate sort of <sighs> decree that, or, you know, outcrying that these are hallowed grounds, that these are, you know, that it's sacred, that, that these people had no right to desecrate the halls of, of democracy. And in a sense, I agree, but in a sense, you know, like you said, it's part of our right as the citizens to make a stance and to walk in it. That, that is not an unprecedented move. I mean, you read about, you read about the, the black Panther party walking into the state Capitol building with, with, you know, fully loaded weapons. Um, You know, it's not something we haven't seen before except perhaps not in D.C., in, mm-hmm. at least, you know, not in modern times. Not, not at the temple of democracy, but we've seen it. We've seen it before. Um, and, and to me, it was so shocking. You know, I guess I'd be curious, the, the language around it that, that's been thrown about, attempted coup, you know, terrorism, um, what, what's the other, insurrection, you know, okay, I think the argument can be made for insurrection, although if you really look at it sort of as objectively as possible, um, even that might be a stretch, you know, Mm. it it was, it was, it was a mob. It was an angry mob that did damage. An armed mob too. And yeah. And, uh, but whether or not they, you know, the question is whether or not they intended to disrupt the counting of the results or if that was in some ways like, just I don't want to say coincidence of course it's not coincidence but you know what I'm getting at um Mm -hmm. how 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 premeditated was this and you know all along I can't help but wonder if it wasn't in some way guided uh, by outside forces again I don't want to sound like some kind of conspiracy theorist but you know, no, but it would be a safe assumption. Um, mm-hmm, usually, mm-hmm. for any mass movement, any mass organization, you need resources. Mm-hmm. You know, those resources could be time. They could be money. Uh, they could be just putting people uh, in a place to be able to organize so that their efforts are fully dedicated to that one activity. So, and it's a process. Mm-hmm. Someone who is not orderly cannot organize. It is mm-hmm. a sophisticated process, right? So. I think it's a safe assumption that most protests have an infiltration of mm. a certain extremist variety and their, their goals are often maybe even in conflict, if not completely opposite to what, what is actually being fought for. We see this not just in the US, but elsewhere too. We've seen it very recently in India. Uh, it's still mm. going on with the, with the farmers protest for the, the new law that's come up. And I'm not going to get into that, but we've seen violence erupt there as well. And the majority of the protest is peaceful. It's old people, you know, it's uh, people, senior citizens or people who are uh, in the middle-aged category. It's not the young people who are usually the more uh, fervent people. Hmm. And you don't, you know, when you see pictures, you don't see these 60, 70 year olds carrying weapons, but you hear, you hear stories of explosions or maybe a gunshot or some sort of violence. And you don't expect that from these people, right? Hmm. So I think it would be a safe assumption that just like with Black Lives Matter, even with this organiza- disorganizing, there would be some rogue elements in there. Well, you uh, you hit on something that like, well, it's something that that that, that has been going on. Um, it's been proven that the FBI and the CIA and the NSA, at different times in our history, have have sort of um, 
I don't know, you could almost call like some of it entrapment with, with the U.S. citizens trying to um, instigate violence within our country. You know, all of the COINTEL Pro, I don't want to get into all that stuff too much, but it, it raises so many concerns for me and I'm sure for you as well, as, as I know that you, you lean libertarian like I do, um, just in terms of the ramifications of the language that they use around an event like the storming of the Capitol. So I'm concerned about another Patriot Act, you know, mm-hmm. another, another, um, another piece of legislation that allows our government to, to have even more of a stranglehold on, on our data, on our information, on, um, you know, the ability to look into our lives at any given moment, you know, just putting our, our words out here like this, we're probably, I heard a joke earlier that was like, well, you know, if everybody's on the list, then there is no list. And that's, that's kind of a a reassuring thought, but you know, I don't know. Uh, there was there's a saying around the Department of Defense that in order to find a needle in the haystack, you need to create a haystack. So that's yeah. another way of looking at it, you know. Well, and I know that the NSA just finished building this massive, I think it's like a a million square foot data storage center out in Utah, um, mm. and Buffalo. I, I suppose you've heard of you, you know about it then. Mm. There's one in Moab, I think, close to Moab as well. Yeah, uh, I think they're zettabyte facilities, aren't they? I think that's what they're called. Oh it's yeah, way above my pay grade, and it's huge, domestic stuff. So huge yeah. data storage capacity, and like, yeah. there's no need for that unless they're storing a lot of data, mm-hmm. and they're storing it on us. And it's 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 unsettling, given my my beliefs in in sort of individual freedom, the right to privacy, the right to property. Um, it's very unnerving to know that basically our own government is um, sort of viewing us as their, as their enemy and sort of uh, waging espionage against us, sort of spying into our private lives. And a lot of people will make that tired old argument about if you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to fear. Well, that's some bullshit, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Because, uh, because it's for two reasons, all right? Number one, it's been happening for a long time, and we can talk about some of the specific programs if you want, because I have some knowledge about them. And, and this is not special knowledge. This is stuff that Snowden talked about, and he leaked. Mm-hmm. So, and Snowden was almost a decade ago, all right? And he's still on the run, you know? He's still on the run. Everybody hoped that maybe Trump would pardon him, you know? Mm. Him and Julian Assange, you know? But right. no luck, you know? Yeah, because there's no there's no place for whistleblowers in the establishment, and as much the, as everybody, as it's much as everybody, precedent. everybody thought Trump was an anti-establishment candidate, and the truth was, as soon as he got in there, I think he turned into just another bureaucrat. You know, he I wanted. Think that's a bit of a stretch uh, from my biased opinion. Okay, um, well, you know more than I do in that. No, regard. I don't. I don't know more than you do. I just know something different than you do. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that I know more or I am correct and you're not. It's, it's, we're just sharing, right? We're just sharing what, what uh, our, our eyes showed us. Sure. Uh, but I think uh, to, to your other point, there, there's, there, there's one good thing if you, if you want to find a silver lining. Um, U.S. intelligence agencies do not share data mm. with each other. So, for example, if 
uh, let's say there is a person, let's call him John, and John is being investigated by the FBI. And uh, the FBI has a file on him and they suspect um, possible, possible association with crime or in the future, right? Uh, a watch list, as they call it. Mm-hmm. They cannot tap into the NSA's network and see what they have on it. If John is an American, NSA is only for Americans, as you know. Um, so assuming John, John is an American, they cannot tap into the NSA's network. Now, the, there's back channels that may exist. I, I'm not saying they do, but they may exist. And you may reach out to a friend who works at a, at an, a similar agency and you ask for intel, but it's not legal. And that gives <clears throat> Americans some sort of uh, sanctity, I'd say, or some sort of peace. But it's, it's a very weak argument, isn't it? to the well, larger argument. I thought, I thought that was part of what Snowden leaked to begin with the, um, I'm trying to remember the name of the program, but is it um, like kaleidoscope or something? Prism. That? Prism thank you. Um, so glad I was on the right track there. I <laughs> <laughs> weren't far off. Um, but wasn't that kind of the whole point of that program was it was drawing from, from all government databases um, at one time and it was completely warrantless and it was, you know, basically a way to access information on anybody at any time. It's not warrantless. It is, it is warranted. I mean, it's, it's a formality. You have to go to a FISA court for any sort of surveillance or opening right. a file, as they say. Um, if, if you are uh, investigating them, otherwise an analyst could technically be sitting in their, their office and open any file without a warrant. If they just want to, you know, they're just curious. Um, highly, highly illegal, but you know, who knows what happens, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, my problem is the future of this um, because I can see where it's going. Um, mm-hmm. And America exists in, in opposition to where this is going. And that's why we're seeing, you know, these things become important and relevant before it reaches its end goal. Uh, what I'm talking about is what's happening in China, for example, with the social credit score. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there is, ironically enough, a company called Skynet <laughs> oh, that, that should that should raise an eyebrow, you know. <laughs> and the founder of the company is a big fan of the Terminator movies, hence the name Skynet. And they are basically um, a smart camera intelligence AI company. Uh, I'm, I'm butchering what they are, but I think I'll ex- try and explain. So China is one of the most surveilled countries in the world. There's cameras for you know every everywhere. I've heard similar. We're... I've heard ser- similar things about the United Kingdom. Uh, London used to be the most photographed city in the world, uh, okay. but no more. Okay. Um, and I think by density, or if you take one city in isolation, it still might not be Chinese, but I'm pretty sure on a country level, it's on a con- Yeah, I, and that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Right. But what they're now doing with cameras is something different. Uh, so mm-hmm. what they're trying to do is install a social credit score, whereby let's say you jaywalk and there's a camera that spots you. Or you go out, or you go out without a mask on, right? That's the obvious right. thing Anything right now. Anything that is now. basically yeah. in conflict with the with the current policy at that time. Socially right? unacceptable or politically un- unacceptable, yeah. Precisely, and they dock you points for that. Mm-hmm. Similarly, if you contribute in in a manner that the people over there, the government over there, deems suitable or positive, then you get a bump in your score. Mm-hmm. And depending on where you fall in this ladder, certain opportunities open up for you. For example, buying a home or traveling abroad, studying abroad, working abroad, uh, right. possibly getting your hands on a foreign vehicle, which is harder in China. There's a cap of 400,000, I think, per year. Uh, and depending on where you are in the corporate ladder and your profession, you know, you may, you, those, those things open doors for you. And the social credit score is going to be another factor that, that fits into this complicated mathematical equation of deciding a human being's worth and their position 
mm-hmm. in an economic system. Well, it, it raises concerns. You know, I know a lot of people here are talking about the concept of, uh, you know, a vaccine passport of some kind, right? Mm. Whether or not there will become, you know, whether a time will come when you have to prove that you were vaccinated for whatever it happens to be, whether it's COVID or something we have yet to see. Um, but you have to prove it to participate in the mainstream economy, which is a frightening thought, you know, uh, and it, we're not that far off from that being a possibility. But as a, as a free, as a, as a believer in sort of autonomy and, and personal sovereignty, the right to choose what goes in and out of your own body, um, you know, it's, it's a frightening idea that we might be pushed to that point where if you choose not to become vaccinated for X, Y, Z, that you might instantly become criminalized, you know, and, and this social credit score thing, you know, it's just an, an extension of that idea. It's taken to the extreme, you know, China obviously can implement that because of the nature of their, their totalitarian government, but we are not as far off from that as, as many Americans would like to think. So I'm concerned. Um, it's got me thinking more and more about trying to get out into the country and participate in a, you know, try as much as possible to get all my needs met locally and Mm -hmm. try to bolster the local economy and almost become an isolationist Mm -hmm. isolationist. I don't know which is Mm -hmm. right, but you know what I mean? And that's, I don't want to turn my back on the whole world. That's a terrible, that's a terrible thought. But at the same time, I know where my energies actually have, have, have direct impact. And it's not on the global scale. It's on the local scale. That's where I can do something. It's why I choose not to vote anymore. And it's something I'd be curious. um, You know, I I actually wrote a few things down here. (laughs) I, I guess are people talking about this whole great re- reset thing in the UK? Is that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, American news tends to um, float on quite a bit everywhere. So mm-hmm. when you hear buzzwords like that, they'll, they'll definitely make it into the tabloids and the newspapers. Right. You know, and I don't mean to imply that it's some kind of grand conspiracy because it's not, it's just, a, it's, it's the WEF world economic forum as everybody by now probably knows it's their, sort of prediction it's not as if they're they don't they don't have any legal power but they're kind of saying this is the way we believe the world is going to go and the big catchphrase that has got everybody worked up is this notion of you will own nothing yet you will be happy have you heard that that's kind of their tagline yeah and that i think it's 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 so barbaric and it's so uninformed on on every level but it's a reflection of a certain attitude of say like the elite that us us lower life forms just ought to live the way that we're told and to live in our you know cities and you know they they want this whole new green vision and you know me i'm a total environmentalist but this 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 green vision that the only way to save the planet is through increasing government control. I fundamentally disagree. You know, 
And, and it's, it's scary because they have that, that sort of motivating factor of a lot of people are scared for the future and they're saying, we know what to do. But I believe that the only way we can actually save things is by fundamentally decentralizing our food, our, our economies, localizing, localizing everything. So mm-hmm. it's, it's really scary to me and people that think like me in, in many ways to, to know that there are people out there with money and political sway that have this vision of a basically a a global government that that sets all the rules for everybody and even if they're doing it with the with the intention of saving the planet from from climate change it's not going to be done in a very kind way and i think i think the only solution and i'm on a bit of a tangent here is to relocalize food systems and to cut spending across the board you're you're a, you're a conservative of sorts so i'm i'm curious what you think about all the handouts that have been going around the the, the massive amount of money being printed out of thin air you're a smart you're smarter than i am in terms of a lot of things and i'd put it, economics up there at the top of it these trillions and trillions of dollars what do you think what's going to happen i i'm a big fan of the stimulus to be honest are you yeah, I think there, there's two reasons. Number one is that a lot of the quantitative easing that is going on, the printing of the money that is going on mm-hmm. is is corporate bonds. So it's not just printing money out of thin air. Although, I mean, you are printing money out of thin air, but it's not, the, 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 the risk is, is level. It's not completely skewed in a direction where the dollar would plummet, mm-hmm. let's say, because they're corporate bonds. Uh, I'm not sure of the more recent packages, how they are being dealt. I know there was a late night vote just last night, uh, and I haven't quite uh, dived into that to see what, what that's going to entail. But even the last two payments, you know, there's there's payments for, I remember the, the Kennedy Center in Washington, which is a theater. It's a musical <clears throat> performance center. And if I'm not wrong, and please don't quote me on this, you might want to double check this. The figure was $25 million, mm. uh, which... You know, look, if, if the argument is that the Kennedy Center needs to stay afloat, I'm pretty sure it won't be 25 million, right? And if it's 25 million, you may want to reassess how to deal with it in, in this critical moment. 25 million is a big amount, of, is a large amount of money, you know? You bet, sure. Even when you're trolling trillions of dollars, 25 million is still huge. Uh, however, I think that the, the strategy behind the stimulus is, is, is required because people need that money. Yeah. Uh, I don't think you need money for, you know, organizations perhaps certain organizations i know the the relief package entails a lot more than just payments to individuals and american citizens it also includes subsidies for other things and i'm pretty sure there's a lot of room to cut to you know to make those those savings and you know it's one of those things that if the economy isn't jump-started right at this Mm -hmm. point it can be very dangerous it can be very dangerous well and i i fundamentally like agree with the, the the value of keeping money in the average person's pocket like like part of me it sounds ironic as a as a self-proclaimed anarchist you know i i i want to see less and less government as a trend it doesn't mean i want to see it disappear overnight mm-hmm. and honestly i'm i'm 
in many ways in favor of the idea of universal basic income. If, okay, if it means getting rid of every fucking other program. And you know what I mean? I'm talking about the welfare state. If they send out a check to every individual on a monthly basis, this is where we're heading. There's no doubt. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that we're heading towards sort of monthly checks to anybody that qualifies. And this is not going to stop after, after COVID. And I almost would argue that's better than everything else combined. Mm. You know, I'm saying cutting, you know, basically no government ties with healthcare, no, no food stamps, no subsidies for agriculture, nothing, you know, everybody gets two grand a month, but we're going to cut all this other bullshit. And obviously I've got problems with the amount of money we spend in the military and dropping bombs and everything else. Um, But to me, it's, I will always argue for less government and, and, I almost see that universal basic income as an opportunity to go that direction without crippling the average person. Now I I put some stuff out there that upset some people recently talking about basically the futility of arguing about any of this, you know, because all you really can do is go out and make more money and make your own life better. You know, I was basically saying anybody that's out there shouting about the minimum wage you're you're better off just trying to get another job (laughs) and that upset some people and the other thing i threw out was that i don't believe food is a right because that's something that was that was said it was tweeted by the un um their their official account and that to me is a slippery slope to say that everybody deserves food because that's not how nature works and i i know i'm jumping from one thing to the next here but i think you see the connection yeah, it's all philosophical, right? It's all the ideology and the manifestation of the ideology as you're speaking. Sure, but sure. it all branches from a single subset, isn't it? I, I don't want to see people starve to death, but I also don't want to see a world in which we all stand, you know, in a line waiting for our, our government bread, you know? And there's, there's how, do you, how do you maintain that, that balance between letting people and for themselves and providing some level of support. You know, I, I'm not against having some level of support. Papa I, Surf. Eric Surf is in the house. Gotta love him. All-star <laughs> cast. Wish we could do a three-way. I don't know if that's that's not really possible, is it? <laughs> Pretty sure not on here. But I think... Uh, I Eric, think if you want to come over here and have a beer, I, you know, doors open to you. <laughs> <laughs> we should hang out soon. Either way, but I spoke with Eric not too long ago. He messaged me the other day on Instagram, which is very nice to hear from him. It's been a while, so yeah, yeah, that was good. I think he's Um, selling he's selling mortgages these days. I need to talk to him. I need to get some land, bro. I need your I need your advice. I need a job, Eric. (laughs) (laughs) Love you, bro. Love you. All right, what were you gonna say, Schwinn? I think you touched upon something extremely relevant, and in my opinion, even more important than the political discussion we've had so far, which is about the individual responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and not for a second am I, am I trying to argue that there, there aren't barriers for a large portion of the population, right? right? There are right. barriers. I'm not, I'm not saying what those barriers are. There are barriers that exist for a large subset of the population, not just in America, but globally. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I espouse Jordan Peterson's 
uh, viewings and his outlook on, on, on the world, you know, very dearly when it comes to this stuff. So if, if any of the listeners are, are, are acquainted with Jordan Peterson and you guys are not fans, this is your time to pop off. Essentially what Peterson says is that the individual psychology of the human being is, is, sh- should be the main focus behind governance, mm. right? And he distills governance down to individual governance. Um, more, a lot of people on the left, the, the values they espouse, um, and Jordan un- understands their values, right? He, he, he understands the intent behind them. Like, we all agree that inequality the way it exists is not good. But the, the left solution is very different to the right <clears throat> solution or the center solution, right? Mm-hmm. And very often the left is based on neo- uh, neo-Marxist and, and neo-modernist theory, which Jordan argues that they don't, they, they, they don't, they're not in conjunction with each other. With each other. They're actually um, almost opposing forces. Mm-hmm. I suppose what I'm trying to get at with all of this is that the, the politics is a very surface level engagement that we do, right? But there, there are larger forces, phenomenological forces that, that govern our way of thinking, right? And these have existed since evolution, since apes, Right. Well, you're hitting on the fact that we as biological creatures have not changed in a couple hundred thousand years. In but, a lot of ways we haven't, right? We've evolved, but certain things remain fundamental to us, right? For example, the fear of snakes. Sure. Right? The average human is more scared of snakes than any other animal. Why is that? Right? So the reason behind that is because snakes evolved with apes alongside apes, right? And snakes always posed dangers to apes. That's why we have such a mm-hmm. eyesight. Mm-hmm. because we needed to look out for snakes underneath trees, right? Another connection, and um, this is a tangent, but if you look at a lot of the mythological stuff, if you look at Nordic mythology, if you look at uh, Amazonian mythology, if you look at the, the diagrams they had made to try and explain heaven and hell, what would you see? You would see a tree with a snake on the bottom. Mm. Why is that, right? So there, there's, this, there's a correlation between the snake and the ape, and, and it exists to today. Mm-hmm. So there are certain things that transcend space and time, and we don't understand them, right? And this is this is not a, a very associated example, but he talks about why political theory has developed the way it does, and why our our mind triggers certain things and forms these patterns. Human beings are creatures of patterns, anyway. Mm-hmm. I, I appreciate the left, the right, the center, whatever, up, up, down, whatever. In the intention, I think the intention is good, largely speaking. Oh, from all sides, everybody's. They say the, the road to hell is paved in good intentions, you know? Yeah, I mean, but there's a problem with that. Right. There's a problem with that. Number one problem is moral relativism. I hate it. Mm-hmm. I hate the holier than thou and I'm more righteous than you mm-hmm. than you sort of aspect because it means nothing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, actions speak louder than words. So that, that's the sort of uh, philosophy I espouse. And, and the second one is, how should I explain this? It's a bit out of my area, so I'm, I'm also learning. You know, this, this is quite mm-hmm. interesting to me and how, how this develops. Um, probably I'll come back to it if, I, if it comes back well, to my... if I can interject, I mean, I, I, I would almost hit back on what you said about political theory is just sort of surface level. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's not quite perfect. It's not, yeah. it's not complete. It's why the theories of anarchy are so so appealing to me is because to me it seems like a complete theory a, a fully sort of 
understandable thought. Like I, I see how it applies to the natural world in that a forest is, it is without government, but it is not without rules. There are, there are systems, but there are not dictators. There are not elections there. You know, there, there is in a sense, a natural democracy at play with anarchy and that's a very threatening idea to most people <laughs> so to me it I, is, me it is yeah. yeah yeah well because it because it gives up faith that we can understand and 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 apply systems better than they apply themselves i hope that makes sense but self-organization um sort of chaos and balance intertwined people don't want to um, just let things happen. We want to control. That's a natural instinct. Like you're getting at, we are naturally inclined to want to control our environment. The truth is our environment controls us. And if we allow our systems of government to create an environment in which we are basically at odds with our own values on a constant basis, getting really heady here no but 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 But, i I think i think i mean i follow you because what you're essentially saying is and i was sort of also driving at this in a parallel way is that you need people to be pushed into a corner Mm. you need them to be challenged for not just for forget the external effects right the economy and all can go fuck themselves but in order for inner peace and i hate to sound spiritual here but inner balance Mm -hmm. You need that. You need chaos in life. Anyone without chaos in life cannot exist. You can't exist without envy or jealousy. You know, there are certain things that are built into us which are intangible. They're immeasurable. And it seems like on a, on a policy level, we tend to ignore those because we cannot solve them through math. Right? And I, I really like what Peterson says. He, he gets so much hate, but I, I love what he says. And I love how he distills it to the individual because... At the end of the day, the laws that we create govern individuals. But if those laws are at odds with the individuals and their development because, because of our morality in the moment, I think that's the most stupid thing we could do. You know, because you want to, you want to pass a better world to the people up front. What is the guarantee that if you're able to slow down climate change through these extreme policies, what is the guarantee that human being psyche will be the same? How do you not know that by by giving out freebies, as you said, a universal basic income or or a check in, in, in the mail every month, how do you not know that it's going to push people psychologically into dark places? Mm-hmm. Have you studied it? I don't think so, because most people, most psychologists would tell you that it's, it's, it's a bad idea, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at least in the long run. You know, if someone is starving today, they probably need the money. And I understand that. Right. But we cannot make laws based on short term interest. That's the problem we face in climate change, for example. Absolutely. There's plenty of band-aids, but if, if you've got a big open vein and you're bleeding out, a band-aid isn't going to do you any good. You know, I, I'm a firm believer that surgery is required, and, and I just fundamentally think that we have too much centralized control. Now, I won't say that I think government on a whole is evil, but I would say that 90% of it at least is. And it's it, 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 it frustrates me because I... I see that like a lot of people think their job is done after the election. And, and I think that 
genuinely like even though i'm i consider myself conservative minded and and if i if i fell on this left right spectrum i'd be to the right i think that getting rid of trump was probably in some ways a step in the positive direction now i agree that doesn't mean i'm not trying to challenge the people that i know that think that because their guy got elected they're going to just like tune out for the next 4 years you know, I think there's so many things that if we don't stand up and kind of <clears throat> kind of come together on as as our basic core beliefs, you know, I, I as much as I advocate and I speak on things like the Second Amendment and personal responsibility, the free market, like I think fundamentally we need to come together on the basic shit. Like, let's not kill each other. Let's not mm. like steal from each other. And let's try to create something better than we have right now, which to me means eco villages. It means permaculture. It means sustainable food systems. You know, some of the things that's why I leave leave no trace policies in it. Yeah. And which is, is, is very much, you cannot do that top down. It's impossible. You can't do that top down. You can only do that. My only hope is through cultural adaptation not through government regulation, mm-hmm. which is why I'm such a vehement libertarian, because I think our solutions are going to be found through entrepreneurship and not through legislation. Yeah. So the individual, right? The solution absolutely. The individual, yeah. So, you know, I guess I, I hope that people kind of, I feel like I've, I've been a bit of a confrontational guy at times. I'm trying to like change that tone, which is part of why I wanted to talk to you again, because you're one of the most even tempered guys I know. And even when we disagree, we always have respect. And I think we need more of that. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think uh, the, the, the step uh, prior to what you said um, about finding those common goals, right? Things that we can agree on. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, I think the step before that is to engage and have a conversation in a civil manner and Seems like most What's people are that patient. Yeah. <laughs> oh, is Alex in here? Beads just popped up. <laughs> Haven't seen Fawns in, in forever. Yeah, man. Dude, okay, after seeing Eric pop in and Alex, this is something, and I'm not trying to be anything when I say this. I'm not talking shit on COVID. Like, I know that shit's out there, but I want to see my boys, okay? Eads, Surface. Like all the homies in Indy, uh, I know Newman's out there. Like we yeah. need, we need to get together. There's a handful of us. Um, you know, the shop's available. We can kick it on my on my turf. No masks. That's my only rule. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's that's if I'm with the boys, I'm not gonna fucking wear no mask. That's it. We're gonna smoke a doobie, and we're gonna love it. <laughs> Hope I didn't get anybody in trouble by saying that. <laughs> I just don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but I understand, Mike, uh, Michael. I completely understand what you say. And I think me and you agree on on, on the starting approach. The individual is the mm-hmm. one who should be bestowed upon with the, with the responsibility. I think individuals need to be trained to take responsibility. I think we lack that. Mm-hmm. Um, not, I'm not pointing towards America. I'm just pointing towards the human civilization of the 21st century. Well, I would say we need to be untrained. You say we need to be trained well, to be responsible. I think we've been trained to be dependent. Okay. The natural state of any creature on this planet 
is to be self-responsible. Okay, you yeah, are. But, the, but but each creature on this planet also gets training from their parents. Well, yes and right? no. Like animals, mammals, animals, right? mammals yeah. get care from their parents, but even still, each one eventually takes responsibility for itself. Even so, okay. I mean, you bring up a good point, though. Community. That's almost a. We're going to get a little ecological here, which is my wheelhouse, and I fucking right. love it. But in terms of mammal psychology, okay, one of the main things that ties all mammals together is that maternal instinct. The fact that our mother cares for us for a certain amount of our development. Some mammals strike out completely on their own, you know, but that is not, that's not really the norm. Even things that we think of, the lone wolf, the mountain lion, these are actually community creatures they are they are social creatures even though they appear at times to be out you know they might rove for thousands of miles on their own but how do you think they reproduce they they have social inter- interactions and a lot of times you know like with the wolf in particular they stay with their family generally speaking you will have a wolf pack and it's not an, a random assortment a lot of people have this idea that it's the alpha and the beta and there's a constant struggle, you know, struggle for leadership. The truth is more often than not, as far as I've understood it, <clears throat> it's a family unit. There might be a couple of families, but it is multiple generations, you know, children, parents and grandparents. And the alpha tends to simply be the most powerful at any given time. You know, if the son becomes more capable than the father, it's not as if he has to kill his father. That succession can happen very peacefully. We have Mm. a lot of misconceptions about how other animals operate, but we have to look at our our fellow mammals for examples. You know, there's an interesting kind of difference between chimpanzee psychology. I think in, in many ways we get some of our worst characteristics from a certain sort of branch of our tree and we get some of our best from another, but the chimpanzee is a very violent creature, very sort of aggressive, aggressive. That's a good word. It's not to say it's good or bad, but it's an aggressive creature and they very much struggle for power over one another versus I believe I'm thinking of the correct monkey, the bonobo which is basically like, if there's such a thing, it's the swinger of the animal kingdom. All they do is have sex with each other, you know? So like, we have to understand that like, these different branches of our evolutionary tree have given us some characteristics and I say good and bad, but that's kind of besides the point. It's just a simple matter of it's there, it's part of us. Mm And I believe the more you try to lock down a wild animal, the worse things get. So that's why I'm a proponent of stripping government and opening up people to to innovate and to, as much as I hate to say it, sort of sink or swim. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna rant ramble on any more than that but 
No, I, I understand. I, I, of course, I cannot try and opine on that. And that's, that's knowledge for me. So I appreciate yeah, you yeah, sharing that. Yeah. Um, of course, there, there's differences between mammals and between our ancestors and how we, we've developed as well. And, you know, we, for example, created the gut for the brain, right? Mm-hmm. Um, instead of eating leaves, we, we decided that, you know, if we invest in our mind, that that is probably a better thing for the future. And that's why we have bigger brains and smaller guts than, than our ancestors. Uh, so I do, I do understand there's differences and uh, even across the parenting style, as you mentioned, but, and I, I agree, I think the word you were trying to say was not untrained, but maybe unlearned. Unlearned. Uh, uh, we've right. been programmed to some extent. You know, right. I call it, I call it domestication. That's kind of how I've come to understand it. Mm. Um, I think we've been made docile. We, we've in many ways been turned into a farm animal. Um, yeah, well, we haven't seen war, right? Like, in, when was the last time there was war? Like, it was World War II. Mm. So our generation is so far detached from the realities of how horrible we can be. And Mother Nature can be very, very horrible as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we are quite, we're quite safeguarded from those things. So it's natural that you know, we have become lazy. Our attentions have boiled down to 24 seconds from 24 hours in a day. And mm-hmm. uh, we're just getting pulled apart in different directions. And there's no purpose. I think social media is a huge problem. Um, there was a very interesting thing I read recently that back in the day before social media, and even if you look thousands of years, from, you know, uh, when, when we gathered in groups, it was always for a purpose, right? You go to a concert, it's a group, it's a purpose. You go to a movie, it's a group, it's a purpose. You go to a town square to protest, it's a purpose. Social media has no purpose. It's a group of people online without a purpose. It is a bit aimless. You're right. It's, yeah. it's the and, void. Yeah. Yeah. And each people, each person might have their individual purpose in life. And sometimes that may align with their activities on social media. But largely speaking, it's a purposeless void where people go to vent and to dispose of their anger. It's a relief system now. Well, it's, it's I guess if I can tie back, I think that Instagram Facebook, they, they very much serve their purpose as a, as a meeting ground, a centralized place for people to go and sort of potentially make connections. Now what needs to happen is less like everybody being in the same room. I think it, it'd be more effective if we all kind of divide up, focus in on our inherent strengths and what our mission here might be. All of us trying our best to focus our energies towards creating something better than we have now. Mm. But, but I will always argue that we cannot put our faith in any politicians. We have to do the work ourselves. Um, Again, taking it back to this idea of domestication and the farm animal versus the wild one. And there's really no difference in terms of biology between the dog and the wolf, between the pig and the, the boar they're the same animal biologically. It's a matter of how we've selectively bred and trained them. And as people, I think we have the opportunity to recognize we have been trained and in some ways selectively bred to be subservient, you know, for the last couple thousand years. But this is very recent in our biology. We, that's why I think biologically we are no different than our caveman ancestors which is why I think we thrive in freedom. But we have been trained and in some ways bred to say, yes, sir. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just something we need to become more aware of. We have to strive 
towards creating more freedom. As much as I think we have to sort of demand our freedoms, basically, if you don't exercise it on a daily basis, you, you don't have it. That's why I carry a gun. It's why I am so focused on ha having food production as a part of my life is I think as long as someone, as long as you depend on somebody to feed you and protect you, you are not fully free. And I think some people have gotten upset with me that I've in, implied that we should not necessarily give things away to people for nothing in terms of handouts, in terms of food. But to me, that that is our basic motivation for life. Why do you do what you do? It's to survive. It's to feed yourself. If you take away that intrinsic motivation, what's going to happen? We're, we're all going to end up living in a virtual reality. I, I, I really hope that's not what, what comes. I hope we don't end up sitting in, in VR, you know, headsets 24 like hours a day. Life becomes like a long episode of Black Mirror, isn't it? <sighs> I tell you, if the Matrix is already real, you know, I guess I'm wasting a lot of hot air. But, you know, <laughs> I hope we're not heading towards that shit. So, you know, anyways... I don't think we should go on too awful long. You know, if you want, we could, we could go back to FaceTime and kind of like yeah, ca casually, you know, call it a night, yeah. but, but let's I see how we actually feel. on FaceTime. <laughs> yeah. 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 But I wanted to kind of put this shit out there. I'm still trying to like encourage public discourse and like challenge people. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. People are too insecure. Mm. People are, I'm telling you, it all boils down to psychology for me. The well, maybe, maybe selfishly, maybe selfishly, I'm just uh, putting out my last feelers for for uh, allies. You know, anybody that this stuff that we're talking about resonates with. This is something I was listening to earlier today. Was talking about like we just got to give up on trying to wake people up. Like fuck them if they don't want to wake up. Who cares? Like we just got to start doing the work. So you know. I think from now on, my social media motivation is not going to be to try to change anybody's mind. It's just going to be to sort of call out to those that are thinking similar thoughts. So with that, maybe we call it a night. If you have I, any... I'd just like to add one thing as we, yeah. as we depart that, uh, look, there's a lot of issues in the world. I'm sure anyone who's listening will agree with that. Mm -hmm. What we can do is first take responsibility for ourselves. I mm -hmm. think in order before we help someone else, we should help ourselves. Yeah, and uh, help those around us, people that support us, people that love us. First, take care of that shit, right? Mm -hmm. And once you have your own house in order, I'm not trying to sound rude. I'm, I'm, that's not my intention here. Mm -hmm. But once you put your life in order, um, then then you can use that to help other people. You can you can provide expertise. You can provide resources. You can provide charity. Whatever whatever mm -hmm. you you can provide at, at your level, afford to provide or want to provide. I feel if you, as you said, if you look, zoom down into the micro level, the community level and the localized level, first take care of that stuff before we start solving climate change globally, because science is always mm -hmm. changing. Science mm -hmm. is smarter now than it was when I started the sentence. And that's always been the case. So and before we hop on 50 year, 100 year plans that is, our, that is going to change the future of human civilization, maybe we should try fixing our own house first. And it's exactly why I'm just so much more fired up about my business than I've ever been, you know, cause that's what easy peasy is, man. Is like, we're not going to save the world top down. 
we're going to do it one backyard at a time. And I'm not trying to plug myself necessarily, but hey, fuck it, I am. And uh, you know, you don't need to. I'll I'll do it. Yeah, yeah. easy, easy. But but like, I really believe in in that mission, and I'm trying to keep it simple. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to like blow anybody's minds with what I'm doing with easy peasy. I'm just trying to get gardens going and every kid that grows up with a garden in the backyard is going to grow a garden that, you know, in the next generation. So mm-hmm. to me, that's a very simple way to apply my philosophy. Um, mm. I almost feel like I'm wrapping something up with this conversation in terms of, I've been trying to help people understand why I call myself an anarchist. And I know that you don't call yourself one. I'm yeah, not an anarchist. You're not, you're not. And that's, but it's been hard for some people to understand why I would call myself that. And I think mm-hmm. this conversation kind of does the best job I've been capable of, of sort of finishing that statement. Like, mm-hmm. this is why I choose to think this way. To me, it's a very pragmatic philosophy. It means that I don't sit around and wait for anybody else to do it. I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. So anyways, bro, that's my final thought. Yeah. Yeah, on that note, for people who who feel that they're alone uh, in their views of the world, mm. hit us up. We're we're always there to talk, always there to process, always there to reflect. I love talking to people about how they feel about things and why they feel a certain thing. Mm. I, I I find find the, the the question why extremely powerful, and I think a lot of times, the way as you said we're trained, the way we're programmed, we don't talk about the why. You know, we we tell our feelings and we're pretty good at vocalizing, but we don't talk about the why. Why do we feel a certain way? I think it's very, mm-hmm. it's very difficult for people to answer why they think a certain way, why they feel a certain way. When I say orange, you know, why do you think, oh, tasty? Or why do you think, oh, those are important things. And I think in order to find true purpose and meaning, you don't need to make government level change to save the planet. I think what you need is purpose for yourself mm-hmm. and, and happiness for yourself. I know these things are very subjective and they're spiritual and they're immeasurable, but there's a reason for these things to transcend so many things in, in life. Love has power that no other thing has. You know, why is that? There's reasons mm-hmm. deeply embedded into the human psychology for that. Mm-hmm. And they've lasted for millions of years. There are things to explore there before we start solving Capitol Hill riots and, and you know, yeah. and on and all that crap. Right, right. No, it's, um, you know, you're right. That's love is the answer. And I think we're only just beginning to understand our own psychology. It's, it's like we're in this crazy race between our own demise and our own enlightenment. You know, I hope enlightenment is, is the direction that we can take it. So with that, let's sign off. Let's, let's switch over and let's like chill this conversation way out. Namaste. <laughs> all right. All of those people in the Indianapolis area, Holler at me. I want to see you. I want to throw a fucking party. I know like lockdown's gone on long enough in my opinion. So let's get together and like have some beers and like party. That's that. Okay. One love.